Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. smart because I'm trying to you know remember what I said last week about making an effort Should, have you sent Alice's care package yet Steph I have I sent it on <laughs> Tuesday so it should be arriving I won't spoil the surprise today though. parcel force talking of care packages yes Mike, I've got a question oh good good on, on behalf of a friend if one you know if one were two yeah, go on. Experiment with slash explore the world of male grooming. Right. Yes. Yeah. If if one were to be intrigued by this, right, okay. what kind of equipment would would one need, and where, where, where would one source this kind of equipment? Well, you I mean all I use usually is just a, it's just an ordinary. Uh, Half decent set of clippers. I have those. Do you put a guard on? No guard. Okay. If if no guard. Well, not on my chest. If you do any nuts, then maybe put a three mil guard on just to be on the safe side. Okay. Put a number one cut on them, yeah. Give them a number one. Give them a number one. Give them a GI kit. Imagine your bollocks. <laughs> imagine like your, bo- your bollocks just turned up and they got it. They're on the, on the way to Vietnam. Well, yeah, like like full metal jacket. Then give. <laughs> Give him a give him a boy called a buzz cut in America. Well, I was thinking more of giving them a fade and a side parting. No, 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 not for the balls. <laughs> no. What I what I might do. I mean, what one might do <laughs> would, be, would would be to do what was known in Carmarthen as the tumble cut, and it will be known as something similar, but a different town or village where you were where you boys were from. Very very popular amongst the rough kids in the mid nineties, I would say. Mm. 
uh, a crooker or a buzz cut, because mm. yep. we have American listeners, mm-hmm. with then uh, a long fringe. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Protruding that was often uh, bleached blonde. Very much de rigueur in the Colcott area of Barry, that was. Right, right, a Colcott cut. Yeah. If, there, if there was a graph of those haircuts and a graph of, of kids with asbos and a graph of oh. kids who weren't sure who their dad was, I mean, that'd be, those three <laughs> lines would be very, very similar. Those shaped three lines. <laughs> Where, where, where? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. That's not a valid. That's where, not a valid. Where were call. the kids from in your school at that haircut, Mike? Cocker. It probably would have been the the better kids in Newport. A better, a better cut. Yeah, it was yeah. a tumble cut in Commander. tumble cut. A cocker cut is quite is quite um, alliterative. Alliterative. Yeah. Thank you. And it's, it's it's a bit of a Barry McGuigan word for you. I reckon you're going to struggle to say <laughs> cocker cut. <laughs> No, it's fine because it's all seen. And the other one you struggle with, Henry Kissinger. <laughs> yeah, but that was. Don't usually struggle with Henry Kissinger. Okay. It's just because I was in a rush. But that um, that tumble cut, a very very British thing. I don't think that. Yeah. I don't think that crossed the pond. I don't I, think it, that, it was. We didn't no, export no. that. No. It was the pride of many a towpath. Yeah, I did have, um, I had a wedge. If you have that cut, you guaranteed had shiny tracksuit bottom. Yeah, I had a wedge, <laughs> I had a step. I did briefly did have an undercut. I was going to say, did you have an undercut? Cause I that did was... have an undercut, oh. but I, nev- I never went tumble cut. I was just, I was too posh to have a tumble cut. I had a Gil Gerard-esque side parting for most of my school. Until I got to sort of 14. Then I had cameo era. I had a full-on flat top. Word up. <laughs> I went straight flat top. I went word up. Yeah, my my nan at the roof. It was hilarious. Um, Plus uh, leather cod piece. Yeah. That's what I got kicked out of school for. Not the haircut. It was, it was wearing the red leather cod piece at lesson. <laughs> Dial L for love. And another, another song I sing with a plum, by the way. Really? Build on from uh, yeah. I mean, that is a karaoke go to. There must there must be an American version of the tumble cut. That just signifies. Yeah, it's called America. Rough kid. <laughs> Anywhere that's not in Los Angeles and New York. Basically. No, but I mean yes. that haircut that just says, "Oh, you're a rough kid." Well, for them it was more the sort of the mullet, wasn't it? It's yes, the, that's true. Who's the fellow now? Who's the quarterback? I think it's a good look, though. It's very much a southern. It's the Billy Ray Cyrus. It's the it's the proper mullet. It's the short size. Oh, you're really short long. Top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not a mullet like we call a mullet. Not like a not like a Chris a waddle, waddle mullet. Yeah. yeah, not a waddle mullet. It needs to be longer a than a waddle. Cyrus. Yeah, I had my hair cut about I don't know two weeks ago. It was a new hairdresser, and this has never been done to me before. It was really long. I hadn't cut it since December because of the pandemic. What she did, it was it was quite interesting actually because I'd never seen this on me. She did my sides first and did the back last. Cool. So for a good right. 25, 30 minutes in oh. the chair, I did have a Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. But were you Achy Breaky Heart or, or you Diamond Lights? What were you? Um, achy Breaky Heart. Like real oh, classic Achy Breaky Heart. And That's the hair good. at the, the back of my head, it curls you up. You tempted to say leave it there. But with, with, the, with the short sides, it was real Billy Ray Cyrus stuff. And I thought, God, my life would be completely different <laughs> if I just said to her, Leave it there. Leave it. You've nailed yeah, this. That's enough. That's enough, though. That's enough, thank you. <laughs> Happy with this. I like barbers. When barbers start to have fun, because when, whenever I sort of grow a really big beard, again, pre-pandemic, I would get it shaved while I was in the barbers anyway. And the amount of fun a barber will have when they just go, can I just, can I give you funny moustaches for 20 minutes yes. while we're doing this? I, this is pre-Richard Herring. I gave myself for, for a laugh. I didn't, I didn't go in public with it. Yeah. But I was in the bar the once, 
Um, I was wearing my bra- I had a brown shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know where this is going. I think we do. <laughs> I had a massage for a couple of years, and then I, I had to lose it for a thing I was doing. I thought, oh. so I had a bit of fun with it, as you mentioned. And I got down to just the um, the Hitler-esque moustache. Obviously. With the brown shirt, and I sort of pulled my hair quite severely <laughs> to the side <laughs> and took a photograph in my bar. Uh, I think I, I think I meant some kind of other beer hall putsch or yeah, something. The bunker bar, that's fine. Be a very brave person to pull that off in public these days. Yeah, yeah. And, stu- and stupid, and stupid, brave and dull, needlessly provocative. It's funny as well how different things mean, dif- um, or dif- different clothing labels. I'm thinking mm. of in particular mean different things in different cultures. So, like a, a Lacoste polo shirt for me means a, fo- a football fan in this country. Yeah, someone yeah. who's who's about to go away to, you know, Barnsley. Whereas in America, I think it means you're quite preppy. Like, they wore them a lot in succession. They, I've seen a few Woody Allen films where they're wearing Lacoste polo shirts. Whereas, you know, I think of Scouse Casuals when I think of Lacoste. I don't think of someone who's a partner in a major law firm in Manhattan. It's like when you see a wealthy, a wealthy look for the sort of New Englander, the Northeastern American look, is, is a rugby shirt worn with trousers, I think. Yeah, football casuals went through that phase. Benetton did rugby shirts in the mid-80s, and there was a brief... Flirtation with the rugby shirt amongst football. If you're casual. wearing a rugby shirt with jeans, you've got issues. <laughs> you've got issues. Well, Sto- Stone Island, which for me just says football hooligan. Yes. Although that yeah. is that is changing because of people like Drake, etc. But that that to me is a football hooligan's coat. It was huge on the American, on the specifically on the New York gay scene in the late nineties. Was it? Yeah, what? yeah. It got completely adopted by the New York gay scene around 97, 98. If I saw someone. At Strensham Services in, in a Stone Island jacket, I think. Oh, You wouldn't think he'd nip it off to the men's toilet? <laughs> <at any point. laughs> no, I, yeah. I, I think he was I think he was going to go to the men's toilet to do but a to couple duff of months before he has a pre-arranged <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah. some Wolves fans. Not to suck you off before he was a Greg. <laughs> it's the Greg's a dessert in this. <laughs> whatever, whatever you feel need okay, okay, In that little vibrating sure. chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Sat there having a bacon and cheese turnover getting sucked off on a vibrating chair. <laughs> if Strangeham's listening to this, sort your services out, guys. <laughs> in a, in a Put a curtain around it. In a service station, it's sort of what a blessedly quiet because of the pandemic. You're thinking, I can just do what I want. This, I've got everything I need here. It's Perfect, isn't it? It's a two-hour trip to London, so frankly, four-hour stop over at Strangeham. Two more steak bags, please. Quick macchiato from Costa, then. Back on the road. <laughs> it is perfect, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is good. Got like a flamingo neck cushion, which is relaxing. Yeah. And a pair of flip-flops. A charger that will break uh, after three days from... Um, yeah. For nine quid. Weird, for nine quid from that weird little so lucky, lucky if it makes Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> Last one, I bought a phone charger from a, from a services. I nearly blew my car up. It made a massive bang noise. They get warm yeah. very quickly. It was just the stink yeah. of like burnt plastic. Yeah. Nine pound monster. Yeah. Quick, flu- quick, quick uh, flick through the papers at WH Smiths. <laughs> 20, quid, 20 quid in the bandit. Because <laughs> I'm feeling lucky. How bleak. Imagine being, oh. imagine gambling in a, oh. gambles in a services. Stuart Lee's son. Oh. He's got he's got very funny material about this. He got told off for walking into the gambling zone right. in a service station when he was about eighteen months old because he was attracted by the because um, he was attracted what by the colours. And someone said, "Get him out of there. He's under 18. He was like, "Well, 
He's not going to do any gambling, is he? He has no, in- yeah. <laughs> has no independent source of income. He's not going to ruin your nudge. <laughs> Have three quid, go on, and he goes on. I don't get it. Do you understand how the fruit machines work? No. no. I haven't got a clue. And when you see mates who, who know how they work, I'm thinking, my God, this is a completely foreign language to me. Yeah. I remember my the very early piss-ups in Carmarthen as a teenager. Probably the first night, a couple of boys were like, oh, great, it's a gambler. And then we're on the gambler fridges. I remember thinking, who's taught you how this works? Where they sort of peer over and they look around at what's yeah, coming. Yeah, they look up on the wheels and see what's there. They've got to the- nudge that as a lemon coming. I remember once... Uh, a bloke came in to empty the gambler, and as he was taking all the money from it, he lifted it up, and you could see the whole wheel. And they were all trying to memorise the combinations. Oh, lush! But I remember thinking, "Who's? Where How weird are this? you?" Yeah, I can't believe that Kenny, Rod- Kenny Rogers made a whole song about it. That's what <laughs> blows my mind. Put being sucked up in a service station. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember that one. It's a big side of in the stream. Oh, okay. You can get you can get sushi at some service stations. Man. It really has got everything. Have you ever been on one of those vibrating chairs? Yeah, I have. They're crap, mate. Are they? They're like one of those things you think they're supposed to like. When I had a bad back, and they say this will sort you out. It won't. Just just vibrate. Jolts you. It's like those bead mats in car seat. I've tried everything when I had a bad back. Yeah. And then I realised why I had a bad back was I was five stone overweight. That was my Ah, oh, that'd be it. You know. She's losing weight. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. the lack of beads in your life. No, no. <laughs> I was carrying around a massive dumbbell on my belly for 24 hours a day. <laughs> Is your back better now then? Oh, a lot better. 100% better. Yeah. Really? Much better. That's interesting. Yeah, although mm-hmm. I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. I, I, I realised like, when I weighed, I put a stone back on. So I thought, oh, hang on a minute now. Don't go down this route. Well, because you weren't training for a bit. I worked it out because I didn't. I said about when I did that pilot, I didn't. Tra- I didn't train during that pilot, and it was catered. So I'm eating three times a day from a catering truck, which isn't very nice. Then we had the edit the week after. They were quite long days with a couple of beers afterwards to treat yourself. And after two weeks, it's it's a piece of piss not to train, then, isn't it? Like I said, oh so yeah. I didn't do anything at all for four weeks, apart from eat too much and not train, and I put on uh, seven kilos, which is actually a bit more than a stone. That's quite impressive. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Putting on one's easy. Yeah. I can't take any can't take any credit for that. <laughs> if you listen to this and you want to put on weight, yeah. I can I can give you all the tips. Oh, we can do, do some YouTube videos. That'd be a way. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Who was, was it Morgan Spurlock who did the um Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Supersize me. He wasn't even that big, was he? Well that's He's yeah. not a big eater. It was more about the internal damage. Oh, that's bollocks though, wasn't it? Well, I mean no. I, I don't well, know about that. I, I mean everything everything's bad for you, isn't it? Everything's good for you and everything's bad for you. A strawberry's bad for you. Well, you eat too many strawberries, yeah. Yeah, but how many is too many? Well, if you just ate strawberries, you wouldn't have enough protein in your diet, would you? Yeah, True. N- no one just eats strawberries. Well, I'm just saying, that's why I said everything's bad and everything's good. <laughs> yeah. It depends I've... on how much. Go and tell Iggy Pop the Hedeman's bad for him. He looks amazing. <laughs> right? But yeah, go and tell Brian Jones or his widow, and she'd agree with yeah. you. Yeah. I don't think that right. was ever good for him, though. No, no, I'm not saying... <laughs> you said everything's good and everything's bad. Ever had an operation? Uh, no. Yes. I have, and thank God for opiates. Otherwise, I'd have been in agony. Yeah. Right? So a little bit of heroin is A little bit of heroin every now and then, in the right circumstances. <laughs> a lot of heroin is very bad for you. <laughs> Strawberries, little, good. Load, bad. I often think about injuring or hurting myself badly in the pre-painkiller age. I think about doing that to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine breaking your legs 600 years ago. Well, have you seen that Master and Commander, the Russell Crowe film, by the Navy back in the day? No. Oh, watch that, Al. It's fantastic. You like your history. And there's a bit there when they're showing. I love it when really high production films that can afford great effects yeah. show things like they would have been, because I think it's the closer you get to it, isn't it? So when they show a ship's surgeon, oh, I can't, no, that's hard to say. <laughs> when they show a ship's surgeon 
like chopping some bloke's leg off with a saw on a ship. Ugh. In the days before anaesthetic, you just think, my God, that's a, oof, oof. That was a tough time. How it? long would it take to saw a man's leg off without anaesthetic? A good couple of minutes. Oh. You got to cut through the flesh. There was all different tools, weren't there? You to cut through the flesh like a hook blade. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a bone saw to go through the bone. Ouch. Yeah, your first saw would be quite dirty and, you know, the ridges would be full yeah. of flesh. And were no, you didn't, nothing to clean it with. You yeah. just scrub it with a, bit of, with a bit of salt water. Don't get in the sea. Up for the best. What's your pain-killing technique? Booze. They used to bite on a leather strap. That's not enough well, the thing was, <laughs> when they When they drank booze, this was the thing, when they used to drink a lot of rum to, to get through the pain of it, either you drank too much and passed out, which is dangerous, or you, your blood was so thin by the alcohol that you didn't stop bleeding. You bled out. Yeah. Well, and... Not only are you in agony because your leg's been sore off, you're hungover. <laughs> See, yeah, you're, yeah. De- you're desperate for a bacon sandwich, but you're on a ship in the middle of the Atlantic. Has anyone got your Ribena? The bit that no one ever mentioned. Get me a fucking cornet off from the shop, will you? You're called Of course I can't go myself, you dull bugger. I've only got one leg. That's <laughs> I I just, what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch T4 and Hollyoaks. <laughs> Get over this fucking hangover. And then fingers crossed my leg will sort itself out then by the afternoon. I will do what we'll do. We'll go down to the woody and I'll have a Sunday dinner. I'll have a Sunday roast. I'll sort me out. <laughs> you only wake up after a, after a really bad session. Yeah. And you get that panic, oh, shit, who did I text? What did I say? What have I put online? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's that sort of fear there. Isn't there? Yeah. Imagine waking up <laughs> and then realising you've only got one leg. Oh. And you're not quite sure how you've only got one leg, but you have only got one leg. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, oh, fuck, what happened yesterday? I, I had two legs yesterday afternoon. <laughs> what did I do? Try to retrace it. This is so... I remember the French were there. It was a broadside. <laughs> I, I was loading a cannon... And then there was a fellow with like a like a smock, like a leather smock on, <laughs> cut, drenched in blood. You'd have to be nuts to be a, a surgeon, like a ship surgeon in those days. Oh, imagine it. And everyone died. Well, no pressure then, though, is it? Yeah. Job. Yeah, no pressure at all because they're, it's they're like expecting a, It's like being death. a weatherman. <laughs> it's like it's being a weatherman, weatherman, yes. Look, it's weathermen and, and weather women and, and everything in between, you know. Yeah. They're basically... Stealing a living, let's be honest. They're witches. They're stealing a living. I mean, no, because witches' spells sometimes work. Okay. If you're, a, if you're a weather person, forecaster, you may as well just look out the window. They're, they're very rarely right. Yeah, they're as right That's as Russell Grant is, I would say. I'm his Facebook friend, Russell Grant. Of course Grant. you are. Of course you are. He used to live in, uh, in Barry, I mentioned before. He used to live in North Wales as well. I think he still does live in North Wales somewhere. He was uh, very supportive of my Facebook statuses when I still used to bother with them. Really? Good man. Always guaranteed a like off Russell Grant. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? That's a confidence oh, builder. Very nice man. Saw that coming. Very like. <laughs> Thought you'd do that. Like. <laughs> when you should see him on uh, Breakfast TV. Yeah. And they would do the, you know, there'd be him, then there'd be the weather. And people would sort of cock a snoop. Yeah. At, uh, at, at Russell Grant for being a, uh, what they call him? Oh, God. Zodiac person, what are they call Astrologer. <laughs> Astrologer. Zodiac yeah. person. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm not an astrologer. I'm a zodiac person, person. actually. There's a little bit more to it than that when you're a zodiac person. They would poo poo that, and they're right to poo poo it. Yeah. But then they wouldn't poo poo Wincy Willis doing the weather. Or Ulrika. And she was always wrong. At least, like, there's a certain element when you're having your horoscope read to you that you sort of try to make that thing happen and then say, oh my God, that actually worked. I did meet someone called Steve. Let's be honest, like, it's there as filler. 
It's it's filler while someone else does something else. It's like we, we've run out of news. We've run out of sport. Jeremy Paxman, when they made him do the weather the once on Newsnight. <laughs> Have you ever seen that clip? No. No. Oh, you've got to Google it. You've got to, you've got to see it. It's only about 30 seconds long. The new producers of Newsnight at the time had sort of insisted that Jeremy Paxman did a, a weather roundup. But he said, this is a news program. They said, yeah, but this is sort of, this is news. So he, he did it. But um, watch it. That's all I'll say. Okay. It is I, hilarious. I'd buy so, palm red in Margate. Why? I don't know where to kill. Fair enough. And I thought, why not? And you know what? Um, Do you want me to tell you why not? <laughs> it was only 40 quid as well. It was an absolute... 40 quid? <laughs> of, course was, of course it wasn't 40 quid. Oh. Four quid, doesn't it, probably? What yeah. do they say? God, I'm... Oh, I'm going to live a long life, and God, I'm loyal. Going to have three kids, so looking forward to the third. <laughs> Well, I already have three, you never know. Oh, yeah, that's a terrifying thought, isn't it? I was going to tap on the shoulder in about ten years' time. And there's you your... Alice James. Yeah. yeah. My incredibly handsome, successful erstwhile son. Could have had a tryst in, you know, after some gig in the 90s. And then yeah. I dread, I, you know, that's a genuine anxiety <laughs> dream. Right? I, I pride myself on being a really good dad and loving being a dad. Yeah. And imagine one day, like, turning up and some 20-year-old kid says, you know, yeah. my dad. Oh, what? You what now? Don't think so, mate. Oh, my God. I'd feel simultaneously crushed that I'd missed him growing up and then crushed that he'd expect me to want to spend any time with him now. Yeah. <laughs> my time is full. I haven't got, I haven't, I haven't got I time. I haven't got a gap. It's not that I don't love you. I don't, I don't know you. Do you know what happened? I didn't love your mum. You'll go to watch. <laughs> you'll go, that's you'll that's go probably to, not the one to use. You'll go to point. watch Ben play rugby. And it's before oh. his game and there's a oh. seniors game. Yes. on the same pitch. Yes. And you'll watch the last 15 or 20 minutes as Ben's getting changed. And there's this one bloke, and he is fucking shit. And he's dropping the ball. There might be no relation to me, mate. <laughs> he's dropping the ball. If he's lighting up the field and then doing six he's getting, when he He's getting out, overpowered at the breakdown, all, the, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. His teammates are shouting right. at him, I his would, coach. I would demand a DNA Head in hands. The other team are just laughing at his face. Oh, I hope he gets the ball because he is crap. And then he walks off the pitch and the resemblance... And he looks just like you. <laughs> <laughs> He's a spitting image of Alice, James. <laughs> the resemblance is, is striking. He's a definite bubbins. But then it's the whole nature versus nurture debate, isn't it? His... <laughs> no. <laughs> he, he, he could have been as talented a player as Ben, but he didn't have you, he didn't have you to coach him because he weren't yeah, there in his it. formative years. Oh, it's too late I feel now. sorry for him now. I feel sad. And then he's in the club afterwards and he's trying to sing a song. I can't help <laughs> falling in love with you. If you're listening, Bodie, I apologise. Bodie uh, Bubs. Need to call Ben Bodie. Did you? That was, that was, that was on the short list, yeah. Bodie. I love the name Bodie because I'm professional. Yeah. I did want to call him Randy, but Kelly was... You can't him. call your son Randy. No. Randy's, Randy Bevins is a great Not name. in the UK. Not in Wales, Randy Bubbins. No, but he, exactly. I thought he'd make a he'd make a great rodeo rider one day. He might be, yeah, yeah. After he'd had the life bullied out of him through comprehensive school, yes. <laughs> Randy. Although a man called Sue, Johnny Cash, you know, if you get called Randy, it'd be tough early on. You know. Well, yeah, or really weak. Randy, Randy Bodie, and then we sort of you know. Bodie Bubbins. Yeah. Well, he's not at that anyway. So, if he wants to call himself that in the future, he's obviously well within his. Yeah, mind. he's probably been named by now. Yeah, but I, I've named him. So he hasn't got to keep his name. You know, Engelbert Humperdinck's name isn't Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah. Although the original Engelbert Humperdinck was Engelbert Humperdinck because, of course, he, he took his name from a 
think it was 17th or 18th century composer. Was it? I didn't know that. The, the, the real, original Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah. What was his, stop saying Engelbert his real name? Jerry Dorsey. Ah. What's Cliff Richard? Yeah. Harry Webb. Mr T. B.A. Baracus. B.A. Baracus. <laughs> That's his real name. Yeah. Bad attitude, Baracus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to change this when I get into wrestling. <laughs> this is a nightmare at school. <laughs> Constantly being marked down. Your son, bad, bad attitude, attitude. has got a very bad attitude. <laughs> Come here, bad attitude. <laughs> What's your problem today? <laughs> Why are you always like this? Bad attitude. Why? <laughs> Shut up, fool. <laughs> <laughs> now drink your milk, B.A. <laughs> School trip. Ain't got no plane. It's a bus. It's a bus. Get on the Get bus. The bus and shut up. <laughs> Just drink your just drink your milk, PA. I absolutely love the A team. Oh my god, I should watch it every Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's fantastic. I vividly remember the first episode being shown on British Channel. I thought, this is me now. <laughs> I found this, it. This, 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 is, this is my identity. Well, you, and you'd have been younger than obviously seven or eight years younger than me, so that you'd have been the perfect. Oh, age. I was you'd three, have, yeah, three or four. Have, I remember watching it. My grandparents. I was thinking, yeah, this is this is the the, the ideal television program. Yeah, I love ex United States. Soldiers being wrongly convicted of a crime during the Vietnam War. I'm only yeah. five years old, but I've already decided that this, yeah. this is television. Especially if they escaped to the Los Angeles Underground. I mean, that is, oh yeah. yeah, and they were they were shameless as well. I mean, fair play to American programs. Some semi clip today of uh, Teddy Savalas as Kojak in a, in a in a sitcom. You know, mm. they don't they don't care about that. They don't they don't care about the. F- they'll happily well jump the shark is is the phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch. Uh, the A team. When Boy George is big, Boy George is in the A team. Yes, yes, as, yeah, as Boy George. Episode. You know, I remember watching. Um, it was either the Fall Guy or the Six Million Dollar Man. I think it was the Fall Guy. Both Lee Majors, obviously. But uh, and they would just put like people in there, like Dick Butkus is in an episode. <laughs> they, when they when they did that when Gervais did the when the whistle blows thing, that sort of yeah. comedy within a comedy, bit of a joke. They would put those things in. Mm. But American TV, not a problem all the time. They had quite a few big stars in the A-team. I think Phil Collins was in there. I think Boyd George was in there. Templeton Peck was in there. Oh, I just loved Face. Yeah. The amount of snogging he, he yeah, did. I know. Well, he was a handsome man. He though. was handsome, bloke. He was in the new theatre not long ago. Was he? As we will be soon. We'll be, we'll be gracing the oh. same stage that, that, that Dirk Benedict graced. Same dressing room. I'm sure he's in like Death of a Salesman or something like that. Lynn Lazari's treaded those boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Richard Burton. There are others, you know. Oh. Everything in between, from Burton to Lazardi. The full gamut. <laughs> from Dirk Benedict to Russell Grant. They've all been there. Did you see? I shaved my. So I got bored the other day, shaved half my chest off, and I put it on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that. And then someone superimposed your yeah. face. Yes, yeah, I saw that. And it does look a bit like the two it of It does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the hairy one looks it's definitely looks like me. When it grows back. Is it a cheese? Yeah. Does it go through in a cheese? No, that's bollocks. Then. Okay. If you shave it, if you wet shave, yeah. Right. But not if you clip it. Yeah. That's fine. So could you like? Could you yeah. strike a match on your chest right now? I don't think anyone's ever able to do that. I think that's just thing in films. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> it's like frying an egg on a rock. You can't actually do no. it. Um, what about carbonic? No. Don't get hot enough. We could have, have a warm egg. <laughs> <laughs> so what clippers have you got? A Barbados body groomer? No, there's no, there's no point in them. But just buy an ordinary clippers, mate. Okay. Like, but it's just I've, I've got clippers which I use in my face, but I don't know. Across the streams. Why? Um, Hair's hair, mate. Yeah. Yeah, but balls are balls. I just, I don't, I don't want to use. We'll have a shower first. I don't want to rub. Yeah. 
my face with something that I've rubbed testicle skin with. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what, did yeah. you have separate Why? soaps? Or you a shower yeah, gel man? Exactly. Yeah, yeah good point. Yeah. <laughs> God, you foldies, you know. What I mean. <laughs> Oh, I'm the defense rests. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what, about, what about a shower? Yep. Fair enough. Okay, now he's got me there, Your Honour. Yeah. Imagine having you debating too. That'd be the, that, that, no, uh, good point. That, uh, good that'd point. Be, that'd be the, that's going to be the name of my autobiography, I think. Yep, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> the Alice James, good point. What about that? Yeah, good fair point. enough. The Alice James story. Yeah, and thought of that. <laughs> Hold my hands up. I hadn't thought of that. The Alice James story. That's a good point. Yeah, so I've completely changed my mind. About <laughs> Can I shock you? Um, I haven't thought this through. But even if you have, even if you, the, the joy is if you have thought it through. Yeah. But then you're still very, very malleable. Yeah. I, I like that. I'm finding this crown court very intimidating. I haven't given my defence. I'd like to change my plea, if I may. <laughs> uh, I, I did it. I did it. I've listened to the prosecution, and I, I think I am guilty now. They're very persuasive chaps. I want to save the 12 views some effort. Yeah. <laughs> the fellow in the CPS has done a great job, and I am a murderer. That, that yeah. bloke in the funny wig has got it in for me, isn't he? <laughs> He's like a dog with a bloody bone. Alice killed this, Alice killed that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see him as a murderer. Fact. I think a, you'd be in court for something like... No, you're just an honest bloke. I was no, going to say, you, yeah. you know, you'd be, you'd be like... If, God forbid, you and Izzy ever split up, you'd be on time with all your payments. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'd never see the kids go short. Yeah. No. I can't imagine you not paying a parking fine. I can't imagine you physically hurting somebody. No. Worst you get done for is a bit of criminal damage when you're out of it at a football match. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like it's, I could see you smashing up a shop window by mistake. Yeah, and then staggering into it. And then the CCTV is so hilarious <laughs> that they let you off anyway. Feeling bad about it and just admitting it was you. Trying to put it back together. Whilst pissed. Or even if three or four of you fell into a shop window, you the one saying, I'll turn myself yeah. in. Yeah. I'll take it for and the TV, lads. I'll pay the fine for everyone with the Patreon money. <laughs> You're third, yeah? Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not funding your Sorry. mates being pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Stick that right up your ass. I'm not funding the Jacks on a rampage. Swansea <laughs> Riot Squad. You smashed up Queen Street, not me. Does that still happen? No, no. They sort of trash like, all like Cardiff Town Centre. Mm. Yeah. And vice versa. Well, the... The Swans is Swans Cardiff Southwest Derby's a bubble game now, isn't it? So we get nowhere near Cardiff City Centre when we play. Oh, I didn't know that. There's not very many bubble games left now. What does that mean? A bubble game means that even if you live in Cardiff but you're a Swansea fan, you're not allowed to make your own way to the ground. So you've got to go back to Swansea, where you're given, where you're allocated a bus, and then you're given your ticket on the oh, bus. Okay. Then you're driven to the game. Usually about two hours early. Sit in the stands for two hours with nothing happening. The game happens, and then even if you live near your house, even if the ground is near your house, oh no, you yeah. then got to go back to uh, Swansea on the bus, and then you got to drive back to Cardiff. So that was a bubble oh. game, and Bristol City was a bubble game because they'd always been aggro when the Swans played Bristol City, and I would imagine it's still a bubble game for Cardiff, the Bristol City match. When we played Brist- Bristol City, I went years ago. What's the what's the police force in? Um, Bristol, is it Somerset and Avon or something? But they they met us at the Seven Bridge. We had, we basically had like an armed, <laughs> an armed convoy. They closed Bristol City Centre. We were in Ashton Gate by twenty five past one. Game didn't kick off till three. <laughs> I remember thinking, I'm not sure this is worth it. 
It's 40 miles from my house, and yeah. I left at 7 a.m. <laughs> this is not enjoyable. This is madness. So, anyway, in, in all right, off the top, you mentioned that the reason I'm wearing just. Oh, go on, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is uh, I wore a yellow golf shirt with a purple jumper. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm doing the pod today. So I'm, I'm wearing that. Oh, is that what it's for? I wore this yesterday. That's nice. I wore it yesterday because I was going to do the pod yesterday, but I, you were very kind. I, I had a bit of a bad migraine all day. Yeah. Which now, thankfully, is, is, uh, is, is uh, subdued. And you can't do it. You can't just switch on can thing with comedy. You, you can't sort of go there in pain. No. It's just stress, and it? It's just like I've so much going on at the moment. The bloody, my house is pissing me off to the nth degree, my mother used to say. Building work being done and decorators and... It's all too much for me. And then I feel guilty. I listen to a podcast back about the fellow who lost both his legs by an IED. Yeah. You know? And then he goes on to play rugby league yeah. in a wheelchair. Yeah. And I thought, you're whinging about the fact that, you know, your house smells a bit of pink fumes. <laughs> but when, you, when you're stressed, you're stressed. There's nothing to do about it. Just chill out, mate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when yeah, you calm down a bit. Christ. The lamest advice of all <laughs> time. Before we go on to the clips, i got to mention this, right? Because obviously the Johnny Marr thing was uh, <laughs> last week. Which is amazing. Oh. I was Charles Sheffield as well, right? Oh, I was that's ridiculous. But then people didn't know what bits Ellis was saying and what bits I was yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Because Which is my, good. Like I said, my impression of Ellis's impression of Ellis meeting Johnny Marr. Is your best impression. Yeah. 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 It is my best. He's yeah. my best impression. Yeah, because people genuinely didn't know which was which. No, I can't tell either. I was getting a bit of love for some stuff that I didn't say. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and some love for stuff I did say as well, which is all good. And I was thinking, I'm always very keen to point out to everyone, this, the, this is a team. Absolutely. This is the three. No, I fucking wrote it. I've got no event. credit at all. I know, <laughs> I know. So I thought, in, in, the, in the service of balance, right, yeah. you put me on the Patreon sort of admin thing. I don't know how it works. Oh, yeah. Right. I still oh, can't, Christ. I still can't work Yeah, yeah, go on. What have you done? done? <laughs> I didn't realise. Well, you didn't tell me what this. What have you done? Talk about a fucking Pandora's box. When you leave Patreon. Yeah. And every Patreon site gets a turnover. People join, people leave. You hope that more people join the leave every month. That's just how we, you know. And thankfully that is happening, right? Oh, you haven't got into the list leave. of people who've left, have you? You're such a penis. You can leave. Why are you such a I penis? Know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I fear the worst of three of us. The, the reason they, people leave is normally they change jobs. Or they yeah, change yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you go through the list? I, mean, I should have fucking oh, yeah, blocked. I'm oh, sorry. I should have blocked. I went through, all, oh, through all of them. No, but this one's my favourite. Go on. Um, I'm, I'm a warts and all. I'm a warts and all bloke. Yeah, go on. Yeah, is this one of my warts so, or is it one of your? Warts? Yeah, exactly. It's my, one of my okay. warts. Okay, that's, that's warts. fine for Al. You can deal with your warts. Yeah. So this was December the tenth, twenty twenty. Oh, this, no, this is a good content. one. Yeah, I know this one. Reason, and there's an exit poll you can do if you want to. What were you leaving? Right, some other reason. If you click some other reason, you can just you can elaborate on that. So this person was paying four pounds a month. They're now not paying four pounds a month. So we've missed all that pound a week yeah. between us. Yeah. Um, Thanks. There's some other reason. The reason is this. <laughs> I went through all these. You're a dickhead. With a mic. With a mic. Absolute dickhead. Mike became too arseholic to bear. <laughs> Love Steph and Alice. Told myself that the four pound was going to just them. <laughs> but I've actively been turned away by Mike's attitude towards non-paying listeners. <laughs> right. But just that opening phrase, Mike became <laughs> arseholic. arseholic. <laughs> I mean, that's a great word. It is arseholic. Yeah. Well done. This person, this person hates me so much. They've not only cancelled the Patreon, they've invented a word to describe <laughs> me, which I'm going to nick because it's such a good word. Oh. Mike became too arseholic. I mean, I was quite arsehole at the start. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, but there's, obviously there's an arsehole threshold that I've crossed. Mike became too arseholic. And there's a few, there's a few that mentioned me in the recent <laughs> 
but that's the one that stuck in my mind. Uh, if you listen to this on the free version and you wrote that, I mean, well done. You know, I think keep I, your four quid because yeah. it was worth it for that laugh. I think you're a knob, yeah. but tip of the at you, it was worth it for the arsehole. <laughs> This is a paid advert from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now, we all carry around lots of different sort of stress moments, whether it's like big or small. It could be as huge as, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? Or, you know, I'm I'm ill, but I don't really want to talk to anybody about that because I don't want to make them feel stressed about it as well. Or, you know, it could be just as, something as small as, how am I going to get to school pickup in time? I've got a meeting, how do I change that, how do I move that, I forgot to cancel that. And lots of the time we keep it bottled up, and whether it's big or small, it can really start to affect us negatively. And therapy is kind of a safe space to get those things off your chest, so whether it's like coming up with plans to, to organise your life a little bit better, or whether it's just having someone to talk to about those things you don't want to stress out your mates or your family with. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable and entirely online. You will be matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can switch therapists at any time. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash distant. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash distant. Right, let's do first round of clips. Um, mm. Let's go. We've all somehow picked music-related clips this week, which I quite like. So yeah. first round of clips is going to be music slash sport. So, Mike, I think your clip is going to go first. Yeah, I'll just do a very quick intro, and then I'll talk about this. This is Roger Daltrey training in the early 80s. If your body's out of shape to start with, I think everyone should take advice on what, where to start. Because if, if you do the wrong exercises with an out-of-shape body, you can make all the wrong parts of you stronger, you know? I, I'm doing this to, for stamina, so I don't really want to get a Charles Atlas body. So you keep low weights and lots of lots of reps. Do about I go around the whole weight set three times, two to three times, and thirty on each pull. You know, Dalton's got that classic, what I would think of as as a as a rock and roll physique, right? When you think of... I was going to go your Ricky Pop. Yeah, yeah. but, you know... <laughs> Different he's got that sort of rip. He's got that sort of ripped physique in yes. And this is a very undultery-esque haircut in this one. Cause he's, he's got quite, his hair's quite short, obviously he's got curly hair anyway. He's on one of those terrible early 80s multi-gyms, yeah. which had very bad tracks. They weren't particularly great for your joints. They did. They weren't... Didn't give you a great workout. But what they can do, if, if you're doing what he did, or was doing in that video, so if you haven't seen, if you haven't watched the clip, Daltrey's there, he's in a pair of shorts, a uh, nice pair of socks, uh, and a T-shirt. Good socks. He just said, I just, go, I, I just go round, I go three times around the multi-gym circuit. Yeah. Which was always one of those fixed, you see, when all the ledger centers and schools and, and gyms. He did a shoulder press and did a, a very ropey-looking pull-down. 
some other bits and bobs. But great, I mean, fair play to him. There's a bit when he's doing the leg extensions and he's, his toes should be pointed up, not down, but I, I wasn't there training him, I was just watching the video. <laughs> Cracking set of legs on him, thin, skinny, but you don't need to be, a, you know, do a lot of squats when you're releasing of a rock band. Mm. You need to be, and he, and he says what he trains for is, he seems to be quite aware of it, a lot more aware of it than a lot of people. That's what was interesting for in those me. Days when they talk about it. It's him saying, I do three circuits. I'm not training to get big. He says Charles Atlas, which makes me laugh. Yes. All, pe- all, 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 all people always say, oh, you look like bloody Charles Atlas. That is, I, that's my dad's go-to <laughs> strongman. Yeah. So bear in mind that Arnold Schwarzenegger was Mr. Universe in the 70s. <laughs> well, this is why, but this brings it, you to point two, is people who don't know about bodybuilding always say you look like Mr. Universe. Oh, yeah. Right? Go on. For 40-plus years... The gold standard has been the Mr. Olympia. Of course, oh, is it? Yeah. Right. Okay. So Dodger, he mentions that, which is funny. But then he just says, I do three circuits. I'm not trying to get big. I'm not trying to get... Uh, I don't want to... You know, he said I don't want to bulk up, basically. Mm. He doesn't want to get too muscular. I mean, his legs are ripped. He's, he looks in He looks in great nick, but he looks like a singer. He doesn't he, look like a, an athlete. He's got um, a boxer's physique, like a lightweight yeah, boxer's yeah, that's true. physique. Yeah, and yeah. the thing with Roger Daltrey, this, he's about 38, I think, in this clip. But by the end of the 80s and by the 90s, he had bulked up and he looked like a weightlifter. Yeah. And he looked like a weightlifter until very recently. I saw pictures of him on holiday in the Daily Mail. Right. Topless. And he's in his 70s now. Big fan of the mail. Yeah. <laughs> he's always taken real good care of himself physically. I think he got... Didn't he get COVID? And he was quite ill with it. And he said it felt really weird because... He's he's been so fit all his life because in this clip he starts off by playing squash. It's not just weights he's doing; he's playing squash at the start. So you know, in in comparison with how his peers were living, even still in the early eighties, I mean, he was a he was on his own. But think really. of the, the people about a long career. Jagger does like ten k's all the time. Yeah, yeah. He's super. He's super fit. Jagger. Jagger's fitter Jagger, now than he was in the seventies. <laughs> Jagger doesn't eat much meat, and, and Dodley said, you know, doesn't eat much meat, just fish and vegetables, doesn't smoke. Didn't do. I'd given up the hard drugs by that point. So those people I saw, I saw the Who two years ago. You know, so they're still gigging. Mm. They're still doing stadium gigs, and so the Stones, obviously, right? So you can you can live that sort of uh, rock and roll lifestyle in your twenties, I'm sure. But if you want a, a career out of it, you've got to at some point. And you said about Dodger getting bigger. You must be imagine how bored you'd be on tour. So what, what else are you going to do? You can't you can't go on the piss all day because no, you've got a gig yeah. in the night. You can't go taking drugs all day because you've got to you've got to be on the you've got to be gigging in the night. So you end up training. Look at the shape that Tom Jones was in. Look at the shape. Yeah. You know you just end up going to the gym, lifting weights, eating properly, and you got you got those luxuries, right? You got oh, I'd love to have the number one thing personal I have working for me on a full time basis. It wouldn't be a driver because I like driving. It 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 wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a clean because I quite like cleaning if I had the time to do yeah, it. Yeah. Right? I'd have a chef. Oh, nice. I'd yeah, yeah. cook my meals Ooh. three times a day and make me nice food. Nice, healthy, tasty food every day. I'd love that. Let's blow any profits we make on the tour and get a chef. Oh, tour oh, chef. Oh, don't know. Oh, my God. I dare I dream. Tour personal trainer. So we're doing loads of planks before the gig. If we do an arena tour, mate. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Right. If this keeps going. We'll get a and, chef. You know, gets, the, gets the credit he deserves. <laughs> I want to be like the faces in the seventies when they had a barman on stage with a barman. <laughs> I'd like to have a, I'd like to have a chef, not making us Brandy Alexander's, make a us chef omelets. on stage making us like eggs Benedict. Yeah, just like uh, have an egg station. <laughs> Fucking hell, that'd be luxury. I've never in my life done any filming without putting weight on. When you do 
for me, especially yeah, like a long thing, they will have catering and the food's mm. always mm. nice and there's always plenty mm. of it. If someone offers me a fry up in the morning, I, oh. I will say yes. Even even <laughs> yeah, if that's yeah. every day for six weeks. <laughs> well, that what I was on about earlier, so four weeks ago when it all went tits up training wise, mm. I'd lost sort of best part of five stone. First day on set, the caterers there, they were, and they were great, fair play. And it was, what you fancy? It's like, uh, oh, what's the options? Well, you can have uh, porridge of fruit, or there was uh, you know, you have some nice bread, and there was, the, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. What else we got? Do you want a full breakfast? Yes, please. Right, so, and then it was just lovely. But it, it was nice full breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you can have your coffee and your granola and, and, your, and your croissant. And then you could have a really nice lunch, like a three-course lunch and a three-course meal and snacks. Like, oh, my God. And it's the snacks. It's the constant snacking. Oh, God. I don't know how any successful actor isn't morbidly obese. A lot of the very best ones ended up that way, didn't they? If you're on set all the time with that food, you'd have to, the discipline you'd need oh, not yeah. to have a three-course breakfast and a three-course lunch. Well, a mate of mine was saying, I think I mentioned this on the here before, that, that when he stays in a hotel, he'll always just have a bowl of fruit and a yoghurt mm. for breakfast, right? I said, are you mad? Because he's an actor in California. He said, you know, and, he, and you're, always, you're always on set doing stuff and it's always catered. But, but his roles tend to be quite physical because he does a lot of martial arts stuff and boxing stuff. If you had to f- cook breakfast every day. Yeah, you wouldn't get roles. You couldn't do, you couldn't do those roles. He said, so yeah. I, he said, I never snap out of it. So when I, when I stay in a hotel and it includes breakfast, I just have fruit and a yoghurt. That's good discipline, that is. I couldn't do it. That's the working class Welsh. It is. The same here. So like, this is paid for. And also, yeah. I reckon I can get a lunch out of it. The catering on American film sets is apparently a different planet. I know a few I know a few comic actors who've been in sitcoms in America, and they say it's just off the scale. And there's everything you could possibly want. I think if I did a one day on an American sitcom, I'd come back with type 2 diabetes. The closest I got to it was that advert I did a few years ago, which was sort of American money, and the, the caterers there was a fellow who, I think he had a Michelin star, worked with a Michel Rouen. Oh, people like that. lovely. I was like, oh, it was a three-day shoot, thank God. Yeah. Right? Because I thought, imagine this. Imagine doing this. Imagine this was a sitcom catering now, and I, I've got six or seven weeks of this. Oof. Oh, what a way to go. <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> I love food. It's being Welsh, man. I think it's well, not just Welsh, but I think working class. My 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 nans on a Sunday mm. was like a. It was like it was like man versus food <laughs> just to get there. Had a Richmond just banging on the door. Oh my god! The lunch was the dinner was huge. You always call Sunday lunch Sunday dinner, right? Yeah. So it's always like roast potatoes and vegetables and beef and gravy and loads of that, right? With bread and butter, like yes, plates and plates of bread and butter with your dinner. Carrots uh, and the cabbage and the Swedes boiled for fifty five minutes. Oh, Amazing. within an inch of their lives, yeah. <laughs> and then within certainly less than an hour of clearing the table for dinner, yeah, she's laying the table for tea. Oh, yeah. Tea, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be French fancy. <laughs> yeah. oh. custard, custard slices. Oh. She'd make two, two different trifles, an apple tart yes. and gooseberry tart. And they're like, oh, my God. A French, a French fancies only came out on a Sunday. When you had a baby or a kid that was chubby. They were delighted. That was like a... That was like, yeah, that was a status symbol. They loved that. Oh, good, lovely chubby, yeah. Baby. They would use the word chubby baby as an, as a compliment. Yes. yes, lovely, lovely fat cheeks on, on gran on of it. What, what would that be in English? Go on, what is it in Welsh? My gran on of it, which means that he, but like he's solid, he's solid and yeah, Codmaur. looks like a wardrobe on legs, that sort of thing. <laughs> my cousin, he lived at my grandmother's house, and he was farming. He was he he was doing an agricultural degree. 
so he was farming quite near where my grandmother lived. So he was staying with her and he had to be up at um, yeah, 5am or whatever. And I remember going round there just to see him. And she said, oh, Marad Galibata, oh, he can eat. So I make him tea when he comes home. And then an hour later, he goes down to the fish and chip shop and he has pie and chips. Oh, what a good boy he is. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah, it. He's a good, good boy he is. He's a good eater. And nothing would get wasted then. My nan would keep all those vegetables that we couldn't possibly eat anymore. And if we stayed there overnight, especially when we were younger, so we'd be there on a Monday yeah. as well, is my nan would then put all that in a frying pan. Oh, yes. Bubble and squeak it. Bubble and oh, squeak Oh, nothing better. So it, the discipline, yeah. So someone like Daltrey or Jagger, that's on. Imagine the, the catering they get. If you're with the Who or the Rolling Stone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it'll be next level. Yes. But what you can afford to do then, I suppose, it's a, it's a thing that gets thrown at wealthy people all the time. What I used to say about people that are in great shape. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but he's probably got a personal trainer. Tom Cruise, yeah. probably got a personal trainer and a dietitian. And you, yeah, he's still got to do it, though. They can't lift the weight for him. They can't go running for him. They yeah. can't wake up for him. Yeah. He's got to do it. I'd love to be able to, like, Roger Daltrey and have someone make my, make a nice, healthy breakfast. Oh, for I'd, I'd love to have Roger Daltrey's rowing machine because that looked fucking dangerous. All the exercise he's doing looks like he's going to give himself a bad back. He's doing those upright rows, which is a trap exercise. Yes. I think, mate, you're asking, they're going to be a world of trouble there. And the pull-down's terrible. Yeah, I was going to say, he needs someone to talk him through form. But, mate, no, that never happened. I, they, we had that exact same multi-gym at the Barry Sports Centre in Barry, right? And the bloke who ran it was a fellow called Lou. Remember Lou? But it was like a council-run sports centre, yeah. right? And we go there from the age of probably 14, 15 to lift weights. Never so much as an induction oh, or no. a safety yeah. briefing. or a. Just get on with it, You mate. might get a couple of posters on the walls. Yes! Like Joe, a couple of Joe Vida posters and crack on. But no one... <laughs> No one had good technique in the 80s. Oh, awful. Because we were never shown good technique. I cringe thinking about it. Well, he's doing those um, hyperextensions with his feet in the straps. Yeah, yeah. I think, mate, you're, gonna, you're asking for disc, disc trouble there, pal. You know, they tell you not to sort of go above the horizontal. Yeah, and he's jerking it when he's up there. Ah! Well, yeah. <laughs> well, when you join a gym now, you have an induction day. Yes. Someone tells you how things work. On every, bit of, on every machine, there's a diagram showing you what muscles you're working and how you should work them. There wasn't like a just a big blue multi-gym made by DP. <laughs> Stick it on 50 and hope for um, the best. And when, you, and when you get there, Lou gives you a pin. You just get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's intuition, really, weight training. You work it out. Very, it's very instinctive. Think how dangerous it is as well. People thought that those multi-gyms were safe because... Well, because it's not, drop yeah, it's not free yourself. weights, is it? So immediately your brain yeah. goes, oh, that'll be A, easier... Be less embarrassing. Of all the vanity exercises, mm. the leg extension, like you see Dolphy's legs there look great. Yeah. You can't, even the skinniest person with the worst legs yes. will look better when they're sat on a bench doing a leg extension. Hang on, I'll be back in a sec. You got to go do some fridge stuff. I was going to do some fridge stuff. Okay. Go on in, Mike. You pick up and just go try and... I'm going to try and pick up from... We were talking about a second ago because Elle's had a fridge delivered in the meantime. <laughs> and we were, we had a problem okay. with... Uh, fourth wall yeah. smashed. Whether it, did or did, whether it did or did not include installation. There were issues. I'll be honest. Elle thought yeah. it did. The, fri- the fridge delivery... Where that's left me is the so, fridge um, is now in the dining room. <laughs> next, next, next to the buggy where I keep all of my books. <laughs> So looking, looking forward to... Uh... So just before the, the fellow from the fridge company arrived, um, 
I was going to wrap up anyway about the Roger Daltrey and the Muddy Jim <laughs> sketch. And Steph said, can you just try and make it seem... Make it, seem make it look seamless. Because what we don't want yeah. is a long so, explanation about what we've been doing. No, no, no. And where it's all yeah, gone. Yeah, looking no forward to getting a nice uh, cold beer, bottle of beer from my fridge in the dining room. In- <laughs> I mean, at the moment, it's a cupboard, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. If you did, if you ever did sprain your sprain your leg walking into the dining room, now you can get a bag of frozen peas from the dining room. I mean, that is... <laughs> That's one of the advantages. Swings roundabouts, yeah. isn't it? I mean, does, yeah. does it suit the decor in there? You, could it be like a conversation um, piece? Well, it's currently can you just wallpaper the fridge. I, yeah, <laughs> I think what's the feature fridge that happens? The, the, kid, yeah. the kids will draw on the box. We've actually got a walk-in fridge, <laughs> um, it's a fancy box. Get some nice wood paddle on it. You've got that nice old door. Oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah. But not even put it up fresh against the wall. Just leave oh, it yeah, in, the right middle. in the middle of the dining room as it is oh, now. Oh, like a, like a cold TARDIS. The <laughs> <laughs> thing is, in, in a week's time when Izzy does listen to this because you're playing it, actually can be really pissed off because that fridge will still be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, why you, and why you keep calling yourself the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that bloody scarf off and move that fridge out of the living room. You've had a week. Why are you wearing Converse all Why the fuck is there a robotic dog in the living room? <laughs> oh, um, this fridge is going to be in our dining room for days. I'd say, mate, weeks. 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 You've got, I, I would say three weeks that is going to be part of your life in that room. The thing is, we've now got used to not being able to have milk, fish, mm, meat yeah, and cheese. Yeah. We live in a fridge-free existence and we've got used to it. So Tin food is the way forward. I mean, you're yeah. paleo before it's fashion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, Betty's allergic to nuts, but uh, we're working. Because well, my we're working on my thousand pound Samsung frame TV fucked up, even though it was about three months old, and Samsung are refusing to take any responsibility for Lovely. it. Lovely, um, it's all ongoing. I'm currently watching my old Samsung telly, which is on a table in front of my new one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, anyway, Roger Daltrey. Um, yeah. There must be there must there must be a, a legacy though. Yeah. Those those gym machines have left a legacy of people of Roger's age who thought they were doing themselves a favour by weight training in the early eighties, doing it badly and now must have bulging discs. Yeah. But also crushed right, vertebrae and all sorts. We all know I'm a glass half full person, right? Doctor's my dad's age, right? There's also a legacy of people that didn't do weights badly in the eighties didn't do anything at all that are now an absolute shambles right yeah which means it's better to train badly than not to train do you want to be a shambles or do you want to be hunched yeah in yeah. constant pain yeah <laughs> there's your two options go which one do you want hobbled or fat go on five four three two one make your choice oh lads before we go any further i normally wouldn't name check people don't unless they give me free things yeah yeah but um and, and usually not even then um but I'll make Paul, who does the puppets. Oh, yeah, Puppet Paul. Puppet Paul, super fan. Yeah. Got a message off Paul. Hi, Bert. Uh, not want to take advantage of your good nature. He knows me well. Anyway, you could record a quick 50th birthday fuck off to my best mate for his birthday on Tuesday. Don't worry, despite being English, he is a full kit wanker Patreon and coming down to the Cardiff show to hopefully buy you a pint for real. His name is Paul. And I'd be really grateful if you could. Thanks, bro. And then a nice little kiss. So I think, not just, I said from me, not just from me. Oh no, you can fuck off from me as well. I wonder if... His name is Paul. That Paul. This is 50th L. Yeah. Was in the band with Paul, Puppet Paul. Because Puppet Paul was in a very good Beatles tribute act. Beatles tribute, he was, was yeah. He? Oh yeah. 
Um, I mean, I had all the gear. You had sort of the Gretsch country gentlemen like George Harrison, the Rickenbacker, big gigs. Like he's he met Noel Gallagher and in the nineties they did really big shows. They played the Albert Hall and that kind of stuff. I think. What's he doing making puppets of us? <laughs> bloody hell, Paul! They're bloody good though. Aren't they, they are great. They're great puppets, but I wonder they if are, that Paul too. was in the band with him. Yeah, but fuck him. It's not his birthday. Oh no, yeah, oh, puppet Paul, chill out. It's oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, let's, let's not make it about puppet Paul. It's not this about, is about puppet, puppet Paul. Paul's mate, Paul. Yeah. Paul, uh, other Paul. Uh, it was Paul, was it? Yes, it's the two Pauls. Yeah, his name is Paul, yeah. I wonder if they changed it to Paul to be in the Beatles band together. <laughs> they got, got two mates called John, <laughs> two mates called Ringo, and two mates called George as well. Oh, well, well, yeah, get fucked, Paul. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, fuck yourself, Paul. Yeah. Happy 50th birthday. Yeah, we'll see you in Cardiff. Buy, you know, buy us a pint. I'll buy you a pint yeah, back. Fag off. Oh, fag off. Yeah, fuck, fuck yeah. off. Will you? Fucking fucker. And we don't normally, don't, and don't ever, oh, oh, no, don't no, all no, the other no, dickheads no, who no. do this get in touch now. Or go and create make, something brilliant like Puppet Paul did. Yeah. And then we yeah. might do something for you. What you know they're going to do now, some prick will like draw eyes on his hand. <laughs> and do one of those, when he thumbed us the talking and expect we're going to like bloody yeah. come to his fucking and some Lego stop motion and expect us to tell to tell him to fuck off as if yeah no way as if fuck, fuck off fuck off oh oh he's lured you in what? he's done you oh, he's done bollocks. you he's done, <laughs> he's done you over he's got me the old he's got me the old double whammy <laughs> fucking whatever yeah so there we go Paul that's from Paul and the three of us beautiful yeah right second clip for the first round Ellis it's your go, mate. Nowadays, if you are an international footballer at a major tournament, you can expect a games room that's got your Playstations, your Xboxes. You, you can have film nights. All, your Nintendos. Your Nintendos, all sorts of stuff. However, yeah. at Italian 90, the entertainment that was being provided for the England team was slightly different. <laughs> That's right, it's <laughs> Superstar Bad Boy of the Violin, oh <laughs> Nigel oh Kennedy, boring the Italian 90 England squad oh. to tears. Oh. Again? You have to watch, you've got to watch it, you've got to watch it. It's another classic Mundial clip. Thank you, boys. Yeah, die on, boys. This is probably the most cringeworthy thing I've ever it's, seen. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Peter Beardsley having a good old <laughs> stare. John Barnes chewing a toothpick like he's some sort of 1920s gangster. Or like Billy Meredith, the Edwardian footballing superstar. He used to play in the wing for Wales, Man City, Man United and play on the wing with a toothpick in his mouth. Do you think? Do you think he was trying to shout that? Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean it's unlikely. It's really it's possible. It's possible. Tony Dorigo looking bored out of his mind. Lineker finds yeah, it hilarious. Yeah. Brian Robson has got an absolutely amazing. He looks evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Robson looks like he's um, just flown back from Vietnam. He's, and he's seen some yeah. horrendous. He's things. dumbfounded at first, but then he <laughs> and then he remembers all of the horrendous stuff he's seen, and he just he looks shell shocked, <laughs> like he has come back from Vietnam. But, but now he's remembered that he's that he's beaten a villager to death with his rifle butt, doesn't he? And he just looks horrified. <laughs> Terry Butcher's got a black eye, which is a yes. lovely little detail. But the players, I recognise every one of those players. It's a great clip. I mean, I, I'm quite fond of that Italian 19 England team, actually. Yeah, from England mean. team, I think. If I had to choose an England team, that would probably be my one. I just, I, yeah. I just like that. So I like Chris Waddle. I like Beardsley yeah. Lineker. Yeah, and they, they all look. Gascoigne, in fairness, 
must be having one of those days where he's trying to behave. He's had his Ritalin. But remember those <laughs> assemblies at school, mm. often when you were having, um, uh, when the, uh, the HMRC, not the HMRC, what they're called. <laughs> the tax van's come round <laughs> to assembly. The tax van. The H- H- when HMIs were coming round. HMIs, Majesty's Inspectors, yeah. When the HMIs were coming round. Pre-Estin. And yeah, it would be Estin now. And Ofsted. Schools being inspected. You'd have teachers who were usually quite cool and who usually let you get away with stuff would say, listen, p- please don't talk in assembly. This Cut is, slack, this is massive for us. Yeah. It's an away leg. We're 1-0 down. Please. <laughs> please. Please behave. Mate, I remember saying to kids when I was teaching, listen, if you, if you fuck around next week when the inspectors are in, I will make your life hell for the next three yeah, four years. Just walk on the left. Or just just be nice for a week, yeah, yeah. and then be a, be an arsehole the week after. Honestly, free red, do what you like. Save it all. Two weeks tomorrow, you can be a right dick to me. You can do a cock and balls on my forehead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll welcome. But not next week. It really reminded me of those assemblies where you've been reminded again and again that you've got to behave. So none of them are openly laughing at Nigel Kennedy. <laughs> They're just and if, if anyone ever deserves to be openly laughed at, it'd be him as well. He was. He's, he's earnest. He's oh, an interesting he's a, one, isn't he? Because. He was well, the sort of the bad it, boy. Of, end, yeah. But he was the like the bad boy of the violin, and he was. A, he thought he was, and he was That's a Villa not... fan, and he wouldn't shave, and he used to wear Villa shirts mm. at the you, you know. He used to tie night that scarf clothes. to his to his violin, didn't he? Like a, the claret and blue scarf on his violin, and say things like "Watcher, Watcher." He did, yes. I watched an interview with him <laughs> after this, and he took two years off so he could watch Villa, and not just the first team, but. Because he's very rich, like the end of twenty one. I do that. Yeah, but he wasn't cleaning pots to do that. He, he wasn't. No. he wasn't living in a squat. No. Imagine if you made enough money out that you could go and watch, I don't know, Swansea's under seventeens play home and away. You'd love it. Yeah, it would be. It would be a nice way to. Imagine you went to public school and you and you were absolutely wedged, and you were a classical violinist. Money was no object to you. Yeah, yeah you could. But he was on telly, be. lords. Because because they because we both know. what the BBC certainly were like, right? The fact that they could have somebody who was part of the establishment and one of their one of their crowd, an edgy establishment figure, you know, who could then be a you could have a hooligan, but he but he went to Eton, <laughs> 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 you know, he, he he might chop and change a bit on his in his violin. But what I, what I think our younger <laughs> listeners might Chuck not a staccato in there to fuck with the establishment might not appreciate or find difficult to believe. Is that he ended up on things like Wogan and Going Live? Oh, he was all the time. He was on telly a lot for being a really, yeah. really good violinist who who didn't shave before performances. Let's not take away anything from Nigel Kennedy. He's a fantastic violinist. He's good at the violin. He's a good. He's a good violinist. It's just an absolutely bonkers choice to entertain England prior to them playing Cameroon in the last eight. <laughs> I'd love to know how long before what time of day this was. Yeah. And how long before their next game it was? In my mind, it is merely hours before they face Roger Miller. Yeah. <laughs> and I've s- this is after the sort of pre-match meal. Let's get Kennedy in. In my, really mind, in my mind, they just won. They've had a shower. Yeah. And this is part of the celebration. <laughs> well, I've seen I've seen lots of footage from the from the camp of Italian ninety. They might have actually been Gascoigne had a birthday during the World Cup. And they get hold of a big cake and um, someone puts it in Gaza's face bend. and then he puts it in Waddle's face and they jump in the pool. and They, they were having a laugh. I mean, the amazing story was, I think this might be in the, 
the Gascoigne film, the night before the semi-final against Germany, there were two Americans in the two in the sort of on the resort in the resort playing tennis, and because Gascoigne didn't sleep, he said, "Do you fancy a game? I'll take both of you on." Because he was because <laughs> so he's having a full-on game of tennis. And Bobby Robson could see from his window. He's like, Gascoigne, oh. what are you doing? What if you'd got injured? Can you imagine? I was playing tennis against some American tourists. I'm sorry. I can't even play in the semi-final now. Did he, have Jimmy, did he have Jimmy Five Bellies with him while he played on his own? I don't know. Although if he hadn't played in the semi and they'd managed to win. Yeah, he he'd might have been fine for the final. final. Yeah. He'd been in the final, wouldn't he? And they'd, you know, if they'd got through and played an Argentina team who weren't as good as that Germany side. God, if he'd, if he'd only turned his ankle played he'd played harder in that game of tennis. Oh, hope oh, that doesn't come back to him. That's another thing for him to think about. Because <laughs> yeah. I interviewed Johnny Williams, who is now a senior member of the Welsh squad, and fingers crossed he'll be going to Euro 2020 slash 21. Obviously, he was there at Euro 2016, and they had all that stuff, and they, they speak very highly of the entertainment. They used to have film nights and quiz nights, and all the players got involved, and it all sounds really good fun, whereas I think previous camps and previous Wales teams, like this applies to other national teams as well, is you would eat... And then you'd go off to your room, and that was that. You might see the person you were rooming with, but there was yeah. there was no real team cohesion. And obviously, team cohesion and team spirit's been a part of football for as long as the game has been played. Gordon Taylor, whoever it was who decided that the players needed something slightly more culturally edifying, Jesus, oh. uh, said right. This was like we'll get when Kennedy in when bloody Clive Woodward. Who did he bring in before one of those Lions games? Was it Alistair? Alistair Campbell went on the tour. Yeah, he, he was, he he was the him, press officer for the entire. He brought, he brought him in tour. to give the give the yeah, give, brought him in to bring the players like a, a like a a, rab, a rabble rousing speech. What Alistair Campbell? He got him in to talk to the players. I know you're thinking, lads. <laughs> yep, he's here. It's Alistair Campbell. <laughs> Terrible idea, isn't it? It's like bringing like Ed Miliband in for an England game. I think Campbell's more charismatic than Ed Miliband. Yeah, but I mean, there's levels. Yeah, but if I had to listen to one of them speak, I would choose. I mean, again, is it? I mean, but this is a very odd discussion. It's unlikely. Which yeah. which politician would you have into? Which technocrat? Right, I bring which in senior Neil Kinnock. civil. I bring servant. in Neil Kinnock before a game. He'd be, he'd be the, he'd be oh, he'd be head, good. Yeah. He'd be headbutt indoors and punching plasterboard walls. Kinnock, wouldn't he? Merkel. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like Merkel. She's not fucking about. Yeah, Yasser Arafat. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, yes, Arafat. Everyone loves an underdog. Absolutely. Don't they? What about Reagan? Prior to a World Series. Good sportsman, Ron Reagan. He was a good sportsman. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, played a good football player. Okay. Good looking man in his younger days. Decent actor as well. He was also the face of Laramie. I think he was Laramie Cigarette. I've got it. Richard Nixon. Another good football player. Was he a good football player, was he? Mm. Who would you have? Which politician would you get to rabble rouse? Raise raise team spirit in those minutes before a big really cup get them going. Really Lloyd get George. people going. Lloyd George's voice is higher than you think. Is it? Yeah, I listened to a recording of him speaking. And he'd be like Frank Worthington, Lloyd George. He'd be doing his flies up as he's doing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just finished. And then nipping back off to finish the job. That's true. Yeah, have a good one, lads. <laughs> I, I I I probably won't watch it. <laughs> Kind of busy. There was a girl there in that box and she was giving me the eyes. So, um, <laughs> anyway, you carry on. 
around the old goat. He was an wasn't he? Carry on. She stopped to uh, have sex with one of those women over there. I'm trying to get So we were thinking about having sex now for a couple of weeks, and uh, I think that would be the perfect time. I'm going to go into the, uh, <laughs> the showrooms a minute and uh, get my end away, is it? Get my end away. If you win today, is, it, is anyone fancy a peerage there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't. <laughs> Getting a safe count off um, Lloyd George. <laughs> safe count? <laughs> yeah, not bad, thanks, Dave. Good, 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 thanks, Dave. Not too bad, Dave. Oh, man. Yes, but going back to old Nigel Kennedy. Yes. As we were, as yeah, we were. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who decides these things? Well, now they have committees. Certainly the rugby teams have entertainment committees that are player-led, presumably because of shit like this. Yeah, well, yeah. Which be the people, like I think I mentioned before on here, like Rod talking about doing the PFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Hancock, who has been a Stoke season ticket holder since he was about five. I might have told this story in the pod before, but... I don't think so. He did their end-of-season dinner. Oh, God, mistake. Nick Hancock's credentials as a Stoke City fan cannot be questioned. Yeah. The man oh, is yeah. absolutely obsessed with Stokes. I mean, he, he lives in the Potteries. He still goes to every game. There's two stories. There's another comic, and he did one the season they'd been relegated, and he said the atmosphere was like a morgue. You just, <laughs> obviously, it was like a wake. You know, you, you could not get anything out of the players because they were all devastated. But this Stoke one, Nick Hancock thought, oh, I'll take the piss out of the fullback because he's because he's a bit shit. Not 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 great for him, but he'll get the rest of the team yeah. on side. And what he hadn't yeah. realised was that he'd been put on the transfer list that oh, day. Shut so obviously up. he's been put on the transfer oh list. Oh, God. And all the players are getting on his behalf, and he's devastated. Oh so he's God. like, uh, so he's, oh, you know, blah, 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 over there, can't trap a bag of cement. And he said he got absolutely nothing. And they were, people were, sh- and he's, you know, disgusted. And he looked over, and Stanley Matthews is shaking his head. Of <laughs> 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 all the people. <laughs> oh, no no no, 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 Nick. No, Nick. Yeah. Well, but what's Kennedy thinking? I mean, presumably he's getting a ticket for a World Cup game out well, of Well, again, we've discussed this. He can just play the violin, can't he? Yeah, but he knows yeah. that footballers don't want to hear that. Yeah, but... I don't, I don't think he does, mate. Oh, OK. If you what? look at his face when he finishes, he's, he's looking around, you know, desperate for approval and yeah. thinks, thinks he's smashed it. Well, he's smashed it. He's played the piece properly. I don't even like the way he plays it. I'm, I'm not a violin fan. I just don't know why. Why are they the Why are they the solo ones? I never got it in bands. It's like, that's a whiny ass. Well, it's like fans. when you watch Flipping University Challenge and Jeremy Paxman cocks his nose up at... If you don't, if you don't know your 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 Beethoven from your Brahms, he thinks yeah. he thinks there's something morally repugnant about you. Yes, but you know if if you if and then vice versa. If you if you know a pop question or get a question right, mm. he hates you even more. I just think, <laughs> mate, who who decides that Beethoven is educated music? He was just making music three hundred years ago. That's all. If, if it had been fucking top of the pops in the seventeen hundreds, he'd be on it. <laughs> But he would be, wouldn't he? Yeah. I reckon he'd have been on Jules... Bestseller, be number one. He'd have been on Jules Holland. Oh, yeah, yeah, he'd be on later. They'd all be on there. Fucking Brahms. All of them. All of Mozart. Your handle. Of course they would, because they were the best-selling artists of the time. Your handle. You know, your handle. Your Griegs, your Stravinsky's. Your Mendelssohn's. Your Strausses. Your Vivaldi's, your Strausses. Your Your Britons. All of them. Your Elgar's. 
All the Strausses. If you if you can play the violin, great. But I would I would say in a heartbeat that someone who can play a fretless bass guitar yeah. is that's more impressive. Somebody who can play a really good guitar solo, that's to me that's more impressive and certainly better to listen to. I just pissed off all the violinists now. Well, Elvis always had a big, had a sixteen-piece orchestra behind him. Yeah, so and I'm, that all you know, works well. Yeah, John Cale, Welsh boy, playing the viola in uh, the Velvet Underground. But, it, but it's a soloist instrument. Yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't, I don't get, get it. it. Yeah, I don't get it. The Gorkies, Megan Childs playing the violin. Why have you got to be hunched over with your chin on it? it just looks. And stupid. why did you think that David Platt would enjoy it? <laughs> More importantly, yeah. More to the point. <laughs> Why do you think that was going to ring all of Peter Beardsley's bells? Peter Beardsley has never looked thicker. Stuart Pierce looks absolutely furious. <laughs> this pissed me off. When I, when I was doing violin as a kid, right, I went to put this little sort of, uh, it was like a woolen pad under the violin with like an elastic band around yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, I just thought, if you need this on there... Make it with one on it. <laughs> Make it with yeah. one on yes, it. Yes, put a cushion on it, you birds. Make it a better shape. If I've, if I've got to play right down the fretboard on a, on a fender, and buy, but I have to buy a fender, then cut out my own piece of the body so I yes. can get down the fretboard, that wouldn't yeah. make any sense. Yes, very no. good point. I can't believe that we're discussing violin design with it, where it's been, <laughs> it's been fairly, fairly standard for about 300 years, isn't it? point out. <laughs> that is, well, that is, is enormously flawed. Well, now now's the time to change. It's never too late, is it? Nigel Kennedy's going to be at home listening to this thinking, bloody hell, yeah, he's right. What up, he's going to be chilling in the oh, first Oh, shit. Maybe I did die in my arse. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Do you reckon Paul Parker liked me? <laughs> Shilton doesn't look yeah, impressed. Shilton, no, not at all. No. no, well, I mean, that... Shilton's absolutely furious to be on mainland Europe, isn't he? Because, yeah. <laughs> He's got a Sh- lot of right-wing views yeah. flooding through Sh- his mind. Shilton's had a better than it yeah. as well. That was the worst thing. Yeah. I, think, I think the southern Italians are doing all right under the common agricultural policy. <laughs> Maybe this is where it all started yeah. for Shilton. Yeah. Maybe this is where all his political views have come Kennedy from. Kennedy had a better gig at Italian 90. He, he would still be liked by the rest of that squad, Shilton would. Shilton might have vaulted remain. He wouldn't have been so angry. He wouldn't get regularly slagged off by his former teammates online. They do, don't they? Oh, they go for it. It's great. It's great to I wonder see. if that's done tongue-in-cheek or whether they generally think he's a bit of an idiot. The Liverpool and Everton team of that period are all pretty left-wing, from what mm. I remember. Yeah, that's what Peter I mean. Peter Reid is, Neville mm. Southall is. Quite a few of those players are quite openly... On the left, and then you've yeah. got Peter Shilton, who's not sure that Farage is taking it far enough. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he thinks Farage is occupying the middle ground. I bet you Shilton didn't learn a word of Italian in his six weeks in oh, Sardinia. God, just just got progressively louder and louder as you go along with that. Louder and slower, Michael. When we had, I mean, it sounds like I'm making it up, but when we had a French kid stay with us, what, like 14 years of age, playing for Barry. My dad went completely comic book British. It was hilarious. This kid came to stay with us. And my dad's going, he's pointing out the window. We've got a nice view in Barry, remember dad's house. Self-facing. You can see, you know, from Sully right the way across. It's lovely, right? He's going, this kid, he's going, Barry Island. <laughs> Barry Island. Right, point. The kid's like chugging his going, fair, fair ground. Fair ground. Ghost train. Um... <laughs> So go fruit train. Fruit machines. <laughs> train. Put it down. Train. Oh, Dad. Yeah. Freaks. There's loads of freaks. 
If they don't understand the long word, they won't understand it when you break it down either. Like, you know what I mean? Ghost, Ghost train. Ooh. Yeah. Ghost Ooh. train. Yeah. But but with ghosts, supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Disappointing ghost train. Go for a bigger word. That's yeah, yeah. Phantasmagorical. As you know, as you know, phantasmagorical. Neither living nor dead. As you know, between worlds, as it were, a train ride between worlds, ethereal. As you know, oh, um. Fucking scary, yeah. scary train ride. Is she chilling? Yeah. Oh, oh, ah, shit, shit your pants yeah. on a train. Yeah, I've tried both ends of the spectrum. Like he's having none of it. Sort of your auto bus, but but scary, and a train. <laughs> Brittany Ferry. Yeah. Anyway, bienvenue to the house. <laughs> Let's sit down and have a nice glass of Le Piado. <laughs> And some pain and some boursin. Barry Island. Nice one, Dad. So, so overspilled dock from Cardiff and Newport. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The coal industry, 19th century coal industry. And it's an industrial peak around 1913, sort of an Edwardian high noon for the coal industry. Steam coal coming out of southeast Wales. Your anthracite in West Wales. David Davis from Clantarnham. Yeah, he was annoyed with tari- tariffs. <laughs> tariff. The Marquis of Butte's tariffs. What? <laughs> too much, Dad. Just ask him if he's thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> so largely powered the Royal Navy. So steam coal, easier to extract when you take out. Victorian scientists found the calorific value of Welsh steam coal... The what? Yeah, the highest in the world exported it across the Argentina yeah. for in, st- trains in Argentina. Welsh coal. <laughs> Same fault as, as the Iberian Peninsula and 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 going through to Pennsylvania underneath the Atlantic. Big yeah. sea, La Mer, <laughs> massive <laughs> Cretaceous period. A strata, yeah. Very dangerous work, many deaths. Sort of me- emphysema, silicosis, pneumoconiosis. Me- methane. Pit fires. Me- boom, methane. <laughs> Ch- Davy lamp. No no spark. Davy lamp. Safety lamp. Davy lamp. It's a ma- <laughs> William Abraham Marbon is sort of a trade union leader sliding scale of paid... No, no, okay, oh, just forget it, forget it. You're not going to make an effort. Yeah. 84, 85, last primeval scream of a dying proletariat. No? Yeah. Mike, I'm getting nothing out of this guy. <laughs> anyway, Nigel Kennedy. <laughs> Nigel Kennedy. <laughs> Paul, Paul Ince. Confounded. <laughs> Peter Shilton. Yeah. It, very intolerant man. No, no like the French. Yeah, like, like uh, Jean-Marie Le Pen, but in, in goal. 
Big Sondico, but Jean-Marie yeah. Le Pen, but big, big Sondico gloves. gloves. <laughs> Vichy goalkeeper. Vichy goalkeeper with hair. Big fan of tarring and feathering. <laughs> and you know what? When Christophe yeah. came to stay with us, my dad did exactly the same thing. <laughs> That's great, Yeah. Gwendry Valley, Amon Valley, Anthracite, and then you the Llanelli was tin. <laughs> so the saucepans at Stradley Park are you familiar with? Beat New Zealand. Oh. 19 No, no, forget it. In Welsh as well. Saucepan. <laughs> and a park Stradley. Yeah. Die back a soldier. I got degrees them ass. No. No, no, forget it. Forget Just it. Just forget it. Well, when Wales played England <laughs> it, at Euro 2016, that was in uh, Lons, which is a sort of French Pontypridd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like is that old, how they sold like, it. To it's you? like an old mining town with a half decent football team in a sort of an, you know post-industrial France. But yeah, as soon as someone told me it was like a French Pontypridd, I immediately felt more affinity oh, with the place. Felt comfortable straight away. Found a French Greg's. Yeah, French grog shop. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking swizz the grog is, by the way. Oh, go on, go on. Why on earth would you want a grog in your house? I've got a grog in my house. Have you? Oh, God. <laughs> I've, I've, and if I had my way, I'd have more grogs in my house. Aren't they, aren't they like fiendishly expensive grogs? I had one as a leaving present when I left uh, Willows High School. Did you? As an Elvis grog, actually. Wow. Okay. Aren't they like 100 quid or something, grogs? Well, I was there for five fucking years. 100 quid between what? fucking 80 <laughs> no, no, and no, I'm not saying it. Well, I'm, not worth a, I'm not worth £1.10 each no, no, I'm, five years. Hey, I was at the BBC for 20 years. I got a mug. <laughs> I'm talking about. I, I'm not talking about your whether it was a decent even present for you. I'm talking about the just general grog pricing. Okay, but don't be incredulous that they, they spent a hundred pounds. No, on no, abso- absolutely not. No, no, you you, you deserved every penny. World of absolutely. grogs. Funny enough, I was talking today to Kelly. I'll know I've arrived when I Bloody when I get a grog. Bloody hell, Louis Reese's Amit is a yeah, four to so. five week delay and is eighty pounds. Well, that's not bad. Seventy nine ninety five. I love grogs. If they ever do a distant pod grog, mate, the three of us, like the Ponderpool front row, you'd be loving it. That'd be straight in your I mouth. would straight be quite pleased with that. That'd be quite yes, there, yeah. there we are, yeah, see? There you go, see. You soon change the tune when it's yeah. all about you, don't you? <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean... All, all of a sudden, you're Graham Price, you're happy. Rodney from Only Fools and Horses, three to four week delay. Uncle Albert is 150 quid. Why on earth would you want an Uncle Albert grog for £150? My mate Gareth is Only Fools and Horses obsessed. He's got the little die-cast models of the van... He's got all the characters. Is he grog obsessed as well, though? He's from the valley, so he's probably into grogs. I love grogs. I, I looked. I looked in earlier about getting a commission in a grog, but I thought that's a bit wanky. You know, it doesn't really count. It's, it's like what of you? Yeah, of course of me. Yeah, of course of me. <laughs> of course of me. But I thought it's not right to get one of your own. You've got a, the grog shop. Got to make. They've got to want to make one off of you. I would then buy one. Oh yeah, I mean, I, if, then if buy, I buy I buy more than one to create right. create false what, demand. What what Mike is saying is, if you work in the grog shop and you want oh, yeah, to create yeah. one of him, he'll buy them all. <laughs> he will buy them all. I can assure you, he'll buy them all. I'll give them as presents to everybody forever. <laughs> Happy <laughs> Christmas, Steph. Until they bear until they bear no me. resemblance whatsoever to me. <laughs> is this your uncle Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you, but you're in your late eighties. If you're not Welsh <laughs> and we're not born. South of Umbrustwith. You probably won't mm-hmm. know what a grog is. Yeah, G R O G, World of Grogs in Pontypridd. 
They're large-headed caricatures, and they're brilliant. <laughs> Josh Navidi, £90. Right, my clip for this round, mm. carrying on our music theme. I saw this one, and I thought of both of you. So this combines the NFL with the Beatles. Now I've got a most familiar figure and face for all of you across the country here with me now. Of the original Beatles, Mr. John Lennon. Hello, John, nice to see you, John. Want to move that up just a little closer? How are you? What's been your view of this American professional football scene? It's an amazing event and sight. It makes rock concerts look like tea parties. But I must say, the first thing I heard when I got in was I'm playing a Beatles tune yesterday, which cheered me up no end. (laughs) I've been trying to follow the game, but I've... I couldn't understand why half the team was off and half the team was on. Well, we can't explain that to you now, but what's your general impression of the game as compared with A, rugby, and B, soccer, football? It's nothing like soccer, but I can see a very close relationship to rugby football, which has the same shape ball, and they move 15 yards down the line at a time. But I can see the game here has changed completely from that. But it's very similar in its aspects. The goals are the same. They have points the same. They have to get a touchdown the same. But they don't have the scrum here where both teams really punch each other you know well we have our own kind of scrum as we've been showing with defensive end eddie uh, uh, freddie dreyer number 89 of the rams all night this is from where'd you find this 1974 love this clip and it is john lennon making a little guest appearance on monday night football it's kind of during his lost weekend period Mm. it is the week after he appeared on stage with elton john in oh. Madison Square Garden. So it's, it's, it's about seven or eight days after that. So he's kind of obviously resurfacing on the public stage. Because he, do, he does, what does he do? For whatever gets you through the night, I think he did with Elton John, was it? I love this clip. I'd never seen it before. And I think it does show how more approachable celeb- just celebrities were in general in those days. Yeah. Nowadays, if someone of John Lennon's stature was at a football game... And Howard Cosell said, do you fancy coming on for five minutes? I don't think they'd say yes. Or hmm. they would call their agent yeah, and yeah. say, oh, I don't know. But it's half time. He's like, yeah, fine. I'll come on the telly. Yeah. And he's quite honest. He's like, you know, he doesn't know anything about football. And for a couple of minutes. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it wasn't a big feature. It was just... No, it's just literally John Lennon's here. Why wouldn't we talk to him? I mean, this ticks a lot of my boxes, this one. I love Monday Night Football. Yeah, I like Cosell. Great voice. I'm here with John Lennon, yeah. one of the... You know, he's got that lovely staccato baritone. I mean, he's, he's absolutely iconic as an American sports broadcaster. Yeah. Did all, did all the Monday Night Football for years and years and years. Yeah, um, loads of the Ali stuff. And the, and the Frank Gifford... I think it was Gifford... Didn't Gifford meet him at the thing and invite him on yeah, to so the show? Yeah, so Gifford had met him earlier on that goes, day. I'll take the beetle, Gifford. <laughs> <laughs> Gifford had the lot. I mean, he was Mr. All-America. He was, he was a fantastic player, good-looking boy, and then went to the broadcasting booth and just was an amazing broadcaster mm-hmm. as well. He was basically their Gary Lineker, right? Um, but Cazell was one of those... They still do it in America, more so than we do, I think. You're, you are a sports broadcaster. So Cassell will do Monday Night Football, he might do the golf, he might do the basketball, he might do the, you know, you've got that voice. I suppose it's Mark Chapman. Or Claire Balding, I would say, out of everybody Claire who does Balding, more yeah. different sports than anybody else. But it's, it's going back to your Des era, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's your Lynham, 
era. Yes, yeah, Lineham would have done the Olympics. He yeah, he did the Olympics, he did the World Championship yeah. boxing. Oh, by the way, Dickie Davis's birthday yesterday. You have a passing resemblance to Dickie Davis, I think. Well, well that's, I thank think you, you do. very much. I'll take that every day of the week. Dickie Davis, what a man. Another example what of how celebrities were more approachable and just willing to do stuff in general. The Liverpool-Arsenal game in 89, when Arsenal win the title, the Michael Thomas goal, the 2-0. Mm. Uh, Elton Wellesby was the anchor. And yeah. An hour before kickoff, this is in the 89 film, the Amy Lawrence film that we watched months ago, whoever was meant to be the pundit in the studio, just one mm. pundit as well, didn't turn up. Yeah. Elton Wellesby's thinking... <laughs> I have to do a program on my it's own. Quite a fill this. And the producer bumped into Bobby Robson, who was just watching That's the game, it. Really? and they said, yeah. "Will you please be our pundit?" Now, Bobby had done no prep at all. Obviously, he would have known every player because he was manager of England. Love but Bobby Robson. He hadn't been told he was going to do it, and he said, oh, "I don't want to. I said, I'm just watching the game." And they, he said, "Please, you know, whoever it would have been hasn't please, turned up. Please, please, please." And he went, "Oh, oh all right. Oh, what then. a nice man." And he said, "He, he said, he." The, the producer who was on, who was on that eighty nine film said he just couldn't bear to let to let anyone down or for anyone else to oh. be stressed, so he did the whole thing. But can you imagine panic stations nowadays? Watch I tell you one other thing about this clip. I, I love the color of early seventies. I could I could watch early seventies American sports broadcasts. Yeah, all day long, right? Just the color of it and the and the, and the, the whole tone of it. I love, <laughs> but I, as much as I love it, they're talking at Lennon. We talk about r- rugby in England. Yeah, yeah. Rugby his, his knowledge rugby. of rugby is not great. No, at all. <laughs> he doesn't. Know, he doesn't always. I mean, Cassell knows more about. I always get quite a thrill, especially in those days when I heard American sportscasters talk about rugby. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you mean. Rugby or soccer, football. Um, <laughs> well, Lennon wouldn't have played any rugby union. That's what I was thinking. Because I, I thought, why would? Then I thought, well, he wouldn't know. He went to. A, he went to a. He went to a state school in Liverpool. Why would he know anything about rugby union? Well, that's what I was trying. I was trying to think if he was thinking of rugby league, but then none of it lends itself to that. But either. he sort of he sort of mixes the two up. Yeah, yeah. He gets the fifteen yards from somewhere. He's obviously heard the word fifteen. He's heard about. You know, getting a number of attempts. He's, he's, he's heard a bit about rugby league, a bit about rugby union. He's invented word, his own sport. A bit about the word, and he's made Beatles rugby. Beetle ball. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he'd have played any league. He certainly wouldn't have played union. And no, I don't no, think he would have played any league at all. And also, they weren't, the, the, the Beatles as a band weren't big football fans. They weren't sporty, were they? Well, they just weren't football Well, they were the fans. days when you were, you, you were sort of one or the other, weren't you? you were, yeah. You were, you were at bands or you were sporting. Okay. None of them were big fans of Liverpool or Everton. Liverpool, obviously, you know, it's so almost the pre-Shankly... Well, it had been the pre-Shankly era when they were growing up. So Everton would have been the most successful team. McCartney adorably claims to support both Liverpool and Everton because he doesn't want to upset anyone. Brilliant. <laughs> Everton played... You only plugged Liverpool with one of those two-team scars. Yeah, Everton played West Brom, the 68 FA Cup final, and there's a quite a famous picture of McCartney who just went to Wembley just to watch. But they were not. They were not football boys. No. So he certainly wouldn't have played at any rugby union or league. So, yeah, I mean, Lennon is just enjoying the spectacle of it. Because I think in those days, certainly stuff like NFL... Did big spectacles better than yes. rock bands? Yeah, Christ, yeah. Well, he says that, didn't he? Well, I love that observation. Isn't it? There's something there that's wowed him, and he yeah. he was a Beatle. It sounds silly to put yeah, it into yeah. that context, but yeah. he'd done live gigs with the Beatles. Plus, now if you're in a big band, if you're if you're in Radiohead, 
Yes. Right. You've got the internet and you've got satellite TV and you've got, you know, even you're, you're aware of what the NFL is and you've seen it. And you, yes. Yeah. In yeah. those days, I mean, if you weren't living in America, you'd never seen the NFL. You'd never seen American football. Sporting events were, you know, uh, what we would consider now a league one, league two football ground in terms of the yeah. look of it. So a yeah. traditional football ground and people turning up. Watching a game, drinking some bovril, going home, and you would have got to. I don't know where they played. Was it, was this in New York? What, what came up? Yeah, this was? is in New York. Yeah, so it would have been the Meadowlands, maybe. I assume it was where the Cosmos ended up playing, and you know, you know seventy-five thousand seater with bands and cheerleaders, and. But I love the fact he's thrown himself into sort of living in New York. He threw himself into an awful lot during this period, but. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know one of the twists of this as well is that Cassell is the one who announces Lennon's death on oh, TV right. yeah, in the States You're as well. Right. Because that was a Monday Night Football Shit. game as well. Good call by That man. day. So he's... It's, it's a really weird twist of fate. They mentioned it twice in the game. They, 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 yeah. Do we, do we have that clip? Or someone's definitely sent me that clip. I can put that one up alongside this. I can find that yeah. quite easily, yeah. Because someone sent that to me a while back and I, I meant to put it up and I didn't put it up. Um, I'll add that one in. Um, because that's... Because he didn't want to announce it. No, but it was but literally, it's, it's that. They're in the middle of a play. It's not even a, no, it's, yeah, an yeah. end of a... It's in the middle of a drive. Yeah. And it comes on and talks about Lennon's being shot. And then it goes back to the next down. Although, when the Queen Mother died, <laughs> S4C were doing um, live coverage of a game at Pontypool Park, uh, a rugby game. And from my memory, and I might be wrong, I'm pretty sure Byron Hayward pops over a conversion... And you hear over the tannoy, the two points added by Byron Hayward, and I have to tell you, the Queen Mother has died. <laughs> Thirty-seven, fourteen. Which is, is it, as it should be. Which is, that's that's you know. Oh, that's perfectly fine. What she would have wanted. We're not on the family, so what's, that's all good. That's plenty of information, isn't it? There's also, mate. There's a very quickly. There's a. I think it's a McCartney album rather than. A, was it Wings or? Go on. I think it's a Beatles one. Someone sent me a close-up of the album cover. Yeah. And there's a bloke who looks the image of me on it. Really? It's one of the it, it, It's a sort of pepper esque. There's a okay. lot of drawings in it, but there's a close up of a bloke that looks just like me. It's weird. Very odd. Yeah, there we go. I'm just to charge my computer. Hang on. <laughs> That's quite the response. <laughs> yeah. Literally well, put your headphones down and walk off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He couldn't be less interested. I'm going to go charge my phone. <laughs> Yeah, you've, you've bored me to tears. I'm just going to plug my phone in. Oh, no, I'm I, I to charge my phone. Don't myself don't confidence. Don't want to burn Mike's storytelling confidence. I to charge yeah. my computer, didn't I? Fuck yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> that is Thanks shit. <laughs> that story is shit. Sue, Sue Cook's pulled out. <laughs> Take the fag out of your mouth, Sue. <laughs> oh, you silly fuckers. Right, anyway. Let's do documentary for this week then. Um, Ellis, this is your choice. This is a documentary uh, that I was recommended uh, by someone who knows who he is a long time ago. Um, it was Yestin George, in fact, who I remember because he used to write for The Enemy when I was reading The Enemy, uh, who was a listener to this podcast. And he 
DM'd me this ages and ages ago and said, I think this would be great on Distant Pod. I think even by our own <laughs> ridiculously low standards, it is by a distance the most unsporty documentary we've ever done on this. Uh, I will go on a limb. Go on. And say this will shed more patrons than any other single feature we've ever, we've ever done <laughs> than in 58, any of your in 58 podcasts. <laughs> this will be this will be Fonzie jumping the shark. This one. <laughs> oh, no, that was Bruce Lee. I loved watching it. <laughs> True. This, it True. also got, get, got mentioned, or footage from it was on Steph's podcast last week. Uh, I did love it. Casuals. Uh, this is whatever happened to the knockers. As we come up through the Blackwall Tunnel, like you enter South London, and East and South don't get on anyway because Millwall and West Ham. And, uh, like you got the old uh, traffic jam light, and suddenly all the back doors open up, all the windows. We hate Millwall, and we, and it's just like all came down, all driving through South London. We hate Millwall, we hate Millwall, and we hate Millwall. We hate Millwall, and we hate Millwall. We are Millwall, I hate Millwall. So the Knockers is a documentary that was made by Chan Foy in 1983, which I can't find um, online, although this has plenty of footage enough of it in from this, yeah. that documentary. The Knockers yeah. were a bunch of West Ham fans who basically were unemployed, there was no work in the area, so to make some money that they can spend on casual clothing, there's some lovely Lacoste polo shirts and tracksuit tops in this documentary. Yes. They go around posh parts of Essex and South London selling dusters, claiming it's that the amazing. money's going to the disabled. It is <laughs> Tell anyone about the disabled? Tell anyone about the poor little disabled now, people? I already I'll figure, I'll figure out of order, to be honest. Yes. I couldn't believe that bit. <laughs> I already donated quite a lot of money to charity. Oh. If I didn't tell you the bloke who'd been inside of all of them, be him. Yes. I think you're right out of order. There's a, there's <laughs> really? I watched, my house. I watched this with Izzy. She was immensely impressed by that woman. So they go around, they've all got, oh, they've yeah. all got that Cockney East End yeah. gift of the gab, and yeah. they are all charming. Thank you very much, man. Oh, oh, yeah, and <laughs> yes. the way they soften their accents because they're talking to posh oh, people hello. is so funny. <laughs> so they are, you know, oh, they're, they're all from, I'm assuming, Mile End and Bethel Green and East Ham and West Ham, that part of London. Sorry to disturb you. And they are working class young men in, the, I would say, their early 20s, probably. Which disabled people are you working with? <laughs> just, 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 just disabled people. people. So, so, so they, 
As soon as copper pulls them over, it's like, yes. well, they don't exactly. It's not. I mean, the disabled people help to make it's it. It's not a charity. No, it's a company. As soon as, <laughs> That's the best bit. As soon as they cross the river into South London, into Millwall <laughs> territory, they start singing West Ham songs, which it was. We ain't so, Millwall, you ain't Millwall. So, oh, we ain't Millwall when we ain't Millwall. <laughs> it's so funny. So, they're in a van. With the back doors wide open. That bloody back door. They can't shut it, that's why. Make that's a Mark 1 transit. I've been after one of them for a long it's time. It's a beautiful thing, but just shut the fucking doors. Well, they, they're trying to, <laughs> but it won't stay shut. So they're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck you. Oh, yeah, well, oh, don't see me fucking fight. And then they turn but oh, excuse me, we're raising money for yeah, the disabled. Yeah. Would you like to buy an ironing bowl cover? Have you ever heard of Tiny Tim? <laughs> <laughs> But this, this one, this one is ripped. That's, that's a great. Oh yeah, and he goes, "What are you fucking showing them for?" It was ripped. They're all ripped. <laughs> yeah, why did you take it out of the packet? The, the assertive. Do you see the ribs? <laughs> the ribs. <laughs> the ribs are bigger than the ironing board cover. The assertive woman that says, uh, "No, thank you. Loop. I, I don't want to buy a duster." Oh, but they're only a pound fifty. I don't want to buy a duster. But a man goes to the disabled. Uh, uh, well, uh, I mean, if I want to give money to the disabled, I'll give money to the disabled charity of my choosing. Yeah, but disabled people, that that affects us all, disabled issues. Don't, don't you want to give money to the disabled? No, I don't. <laughs> what, I'm a, what, oh, I think you're being out of I order. Think you're ba- I, well, I disagree. There's nothing I can say, is there? No, there isn't. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to remember in the 60s and 70s and 80s, there were... Real wrong ones with knives, and we've got people got cut, and the people got glassed, and they were the craze. Yeah, and there was mad Frankie Fraser, and there was proper hooligans, right? We saw that one about the um, the Millwall lot before. Yeah, yeah. fellow working in the kids' nursery with the big with the big air, right? Yeah. I thought, mate, you couldn't look less intimidating. And I was just trying to think. I'm sure these are quite handy boys, right? West Ham fans back in the day, you know. Yeah, yeah. Got Millwall away and all that sort of stuff. I was trying to put that in a modern context. Can you imagine? Like six or seven, 20 year old, you know, home and away West Ham fans who, to make ends meet, went around selling dust. Selling plastic and, and wooden of, pegs. You know what, though? Go and nick it off somebody. I, I prefer the uh, the plastic ones. The, the water gets on the wooden ones. Yeah, they're very good, the plastic ones. Yeah, they are good, aren't they? People <laughs> did used to sell stuff like that door to door. I remember people yeah, selling yeah, yeah. that stuff door to door. Yeah, but not hooligans. No, I talked to I talked to my mate Chris, who does the Quickly Kevin podcast. I sent him this. Yeah, yeah. He's a big West Ham fan, and um, I said, "Have you seen this?" And he went, <laughs> "No, but this is my, still this do is it. my evening sorted." <laughs> and he watched the first minute of it, and he went, "This." He lives in East London. He was like, "This still happens. People are always trying to oh. sell me dusters and." Fine in Borg. He said, is it an East London Brilliant. thing? The, the, the uh, talk about in jokes, they actually say, hello, we're working on behalf, we're working uh, on behalf of ICF services. ICF yeah. is the name of the West Ham hooligan firm, the intercity firm. I don't know if they were, you know, ICF or hooligans. I mean, West Ham's hooligans were notorious. Yeah. Absolutely notorious in this time. The most violent firms of football fans in Europe, even though what they are doing, <laughs> even though they, but even though what they are doing is wrong, and it is fraudulent, I can't dislike them. Oh, you can't at all. They're wide boys, aren't they? They're wide boys. Also, that accent has almost entirely died out in East London, and it's oh, it's it. such a lovely accent. I love the way they speak. Oh, yeah. And I was watching it. I was thinking, now morally, I cannot justify what they are doing. I just can't dislike them. 
because this is the follow-up. This this was made in 1993, 10 years on. So they're now in their yeah. early to mid-30s. The different paths those boys have gone have followed were so predictable. One of them is a cabbie in oh, London. Yeah. Of course, yes, that was always going to happen. So he's done the knowledge and he's a black cab driver. One of them... The, the story he tells about the prostitute who gets into his car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes... Uh, I'm a working girl. I'm a working. Oh, oh well, you've all got a job. Yeah, good for you. We'll work. I'll give you the best blow job in London. What, what good's that to me? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the line. What, what, what good, good is, is that, that to me? me? <laughs> the, one, the one who's who's a dance music empresario. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say that next time I get any sex on offer. What good's that what to good's me? What good's that to me? So one of them, what, go what, for one of them runs like oh. acid house. He runs an acid house label and runs raves. Oh, La Bella Blanco, which oh, exists, which I googled, and they exist. Yeah. You never guess what's happened. She's wrapped me the check and left it in a bleeding. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's doing well. Because his record label's doing well. He's got that shit little swimming pool in his backyard. <laughs> it's about fucking twelve feet long. It's like my jacuzzi <laughs> on the roof. Oh, <clears throat> one of them's been inside and he's done a bit of travelling and he worked in Italy. His The other one is the world's shittest actor. <laughs> yeah, one of them is the world's shittest actor. And now he lives in Norfolk. And then one of them's a f- incredible... And he sees me married to Alan Park. <laughs> yeah, one of them is a photographer. I'm a bit of rough, I suppose. And they haven't, they haven't, they haven't seen each other. They haven't, re- they haven't kept in touch and then they all meet up for the... For the dance music impresario's thirty-third birthday, so they all go around oh, to his house. He's and they all they all take their trunks. They're all early thirties. They all take their trunks and jump into his shit swimming pool. <laughs> they throw some guy who isn't being <laughs> yeah. in the film. He's not in the entire thing. Just some hairy man they throw into the pool. <laughs> and some woman, they just yeah. they just suplexes her into the pool. And he almost hit the other when end. He suplexed that woman. I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> He jumped in and almost missed. He did. No. <laughs> Such a good documentary. I told him if I'm morally indefensible, mate. <laughs> you picking this on a fucking sports podcast. No. But I enjoyed I, it. So I, I loved I'm it. Confused. I watched it. It is brilliant. It took me back to such... I mean, if you're old enough to remember 1993, oh. it is visceral. It was Proustian watching this. I had completely forgotten that... Mam used to buy dusters off people who were selling them door to door in the eighties, which apparently still happens in East London, according to Chris Skull from Quickly Kevin. Bubs alluded to it a second ago. I know we talk about this all the time. How how people age differently in years oh. gone by. They are oh thirty three. If you it's if you asked me to guess, I was amazed. I would have, I would have well fifty easily fifty. Yeah. Well, the one was I know it's time to settle down now, and he's and he's there when he's like. You know, when you're young, you do that sort of thing. And he's there with his wife and his kids in the back garden. His kids are like 13, yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to his 33rd birthday. How oh, good's, oh, good's the bloke who driving the Jag in the first place? The sort of the middleman. Oh. I love him. He's got he's got like a Joey Boswell haircut from Brad. Yeah, he has got a Joey Boswell haircut or a George Michael sort of early period. He's got a Jaguar XJS. Of course he has. He talks in a Cockney accent so thick I couldn't understand him, but there were no, I couldn't get subtitles. So I just sort of, I just enjoyed the general vibe of what he was saying. I had no idea what he, what he meant. The fight that they have. 
Which is set up with Millwall staged. Yeah. It's, 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 it's staged. It's like West Side Story. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. I mean, four of them are just clicking their fingers. <laughs> What's George Gershwin doing it's that here? Classic 80s scuffle scenario. As someone who yeah. read an awful lot of those football hooligan books when they came out in the early 2000s, Mike, you're a little bit older than me, so you might be able to shed some light on this. Whenever. There was trouble at football and it kicked off outside the ground. In every single hooligan book that's ever been written, and I've read quite a few of them, there was always a convenient skip full of half bricks. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. There were just bricks everywhere in the 80s. If you asked me to throw a brick, I'd be like, um, okay, well, I suppose mm. I can drive to home base. Will they have, will they have a brick? Just... There's a skip down the bottom of the street by the church. I could go down there if I've got any bricks, but it's mostly... Pl- it's mostly UPVC windows and some plasterboard, but I could chuck a door in it. <laughs> chuck, a, chuck a door at Bristol City, fine. Door in a breeze block, be fine. Trying to, smuggle a, trying to smuggle a UPVC door into Ashton Gate. <laughs> You're going to hang a door, sir? Yeah, half time. Yeah. Let's have it. Where's door, Dave? Is he coming down? Give us a hand. Chuck, chucking a load of kickboards from Nikea Kitchen at Bristol City fans. Just fucking rent one of those little two-seater settings and drop a pergola on someone. It also it, it reminded me of how hey, it, was it reminded me of how tribal uh, London used to be. As soon as they crossed the river into South London, oh yeah, yeah. I mean they're like, well, South London and East London never got on because of the West Ham Millwall thing. I just don't think. I mean, obviously you still have gangs. There's a obviously a gang problem in London, but I think for normal people, they just don't give a shit about that stuff. You know, obviously, I'm, you know, South London gangs, East London gangs. I tell you, it's weird as well. I, you know, I, fight, I was watching this thinking, I would love to see the, the now, right? So that was 1993. Yeah, I thought this as well. I was thinking this as well, yes. And they're all going to be in their 60s. Yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah. Love to see what, I'd love to see what they're up to. There weren't any of those people there that weren't likable people. I didn't look at any of those and think, oh, you're an arsehole, mate. I didn't, I didn't think, that, think that of anybody I wouldn't on be surprised show. if the cabbie was still a cabbie. I wouldn't mm. be surprised if the guy who runs the record label is actually very rich. Yeah, he's a wheel of deal. Um, I'd be very surprised if the bloke doing the Atkins won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the photographer, who knows? Oh, what an interesting... He was the one of the most layers, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you saw him in the van when he pumping the brakes and you think... Oh, wearing the same feeler T-shirt that the bloke was wearing from 80s casual classics. Oh, good show. Um, in last week's documentary. But he's he is the one, when you think... You just think he's some... Skinny little scrope from the from the East End. Yes. And then when he's talking really eloquently and really passionately about you know being in Vietnam or about I might time this with with the the, the, the he ends up covering war zones and elections and yeah. and loving being in foreign countries yeah, yeah. and being being taken into people's houses and seeing how other people live and other cultures. I thought bloody hell, mate, you wouldn't talk about not judging a book by the cover. Yeah. I didn't see that coming no. at all. I loved I'd love to see what he did because he was planning on doing. He's wanted to do a book with Primal Scream, didn't he? I got a staff yes. to cover the elections and staff. Because I wonder if he ever did that. Because it was the '94 election; it would have been the first free elections, wouldn't it? The year later. Yeah, yeah. The th- the thing with this, I mean, in terms of sport, is the fact that they're such passionate West Ham fans. Really, is the only sporting link. But what it what it made me think of? Do you remember the, the program Sevens Up, the documentary? Yes. Where they, yeah, it was yeah. like a sure. sort of yeah. rogue Seven Up. I mean, I would dearly. Love to know what they're doing now, and the the idea of yeah. of it being a ten year 
uh, follow-up, I think is a really interesting one. Interestingly, they were quite happy to break the law on camera. Yeah, because the copper couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> I mean, the, the, cop- the copper was lazy it and is thick. hilarious yeah. Yeah. 80s what did he say to me? Uh, oh, listen, I don't want you making a, a nuisance of yourselves. So if you if, think you're becoming annoying, I want you to leave. And they're like, oh, well, we will. If you're causing annoyance, and he's like, he's just giving the bird. Yeah. He turns his back, he immediately gives him the bird on camera. Oh, superb. Yeah, we're selling dusters on behalf of ICF services. What kind of a charity is that then? Oh, I love that. No, it's not a charity, it's a company. It's a company. <laughs> yeah, well, we're football hooligans, really. Well, yeah. the old dear goes, um, um, anything for around 50 pence? <laughs> I love that. In other words, please go away. Yeah. yeah. 50 Have 50p and leave. I was trying to work out with inflation as well. £1.25 for a duster. Was a f- I mean, that's what they cost now. That's 40 years ago. Yes. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a lot of money. I mean, that's... That's, yeah, he, they were taking the piss really with their prices. That's like a fiver for a duster now. I'm going to put that into an inflation calculator. <laughs> well, it, was 10%, it was 10% in the early 80s, wasn't it? You can use Mars bars, you know that? They're a great, they're a great indicator of inflation. Because Mars bars have risen almost identically with inflation. So let's say it was a pound for a duster. It was 125, mate. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's not, you're not getting it for a pound. Three pound £3. forty-five. I'll pay three pounds forty-five for a duster. Three pounds fifty, call it for a three pounds fifty for a duster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but safe in the knowledge that you know, absolutely none of that money is going to any disabled charities. <laughs> it's going nowhere near a charity. I was just as- astonished that they were willing to brazenly break the law like that and commit a fraudulent act on television. Can you imagine now? Do not, and not just by the way of doing it to do that on, on documentary now. When you de- you're selling hooky gear door to door, giving people a hard sell, and saying that you're raising money for disabled yeah, yeah. people. It's at the same time. But also in a, in a three channel era, that's going to be on telly. Surely your potential customers will watch this, and when you come to the door next time, will go, "Aren't you the?" I think the one difference is that because unless you were videotaping documentaries you would be very famous for a month and then that was okay. it oh good point yeah so i remember talking to you wouldn't be on online for that, a, would you? if you're interested in the nascent very early british alternative stand-up scene there was a program on scottish television called the funny farm and it had bill hicks and Stuart lee and al oh, murray goodness. a very young al murray oh, wow. very young harry hill lee evans uh, Joe Brand, Steve Coogan, Frank Skinner. Okay. And all the it was about 1990, and all the acts who did it got paid like 150 quid, and it was on Scottish telly at about one in the morning. And a lot of the a lot of the comedians who were very very new, and most people die, and a lot of, and uh, Sean Locke's got really long hair. It's really it's really weird, right? But no one really has a great gig. And I talked to Stuart Lee about this, and he said the, the thing with that is. Our agents at the time were like, do it, it's 150 quid, no fuck will see it, and then you've done it then. And I can tell people that you've been on telly, but no one will have yeah. seen it. Because obviously yeah. no yeah, one true. no one had predicted YouTube. The only person with a copy of that is going to be Bob Monkhouse in two years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when they agreed to be on a documentary, fuck knows how Channel 4 found them, or why yeah, Channel yeah. 4 decided to make this documentary. Knockers, I think, was a phenomenon, in particular in the, in the East End of London. 
Yeah. So someone at Channel Four must have thought, oh, there's definitely a documentary in this if we can if we can find some who are willing to go on camera. But eight guys who are willing to sell these illegally on camera. I'm guessing they would have been paid a fee. Well, they've set up they've set up a fight for them to make them look edgier. Yeah, they're they're not the most you know. Let's stick to the rules. Documentary crew of all time. So I mean, it must have been amazing. It must if they're still alive. It must be amazing for them to have. I wonder how many people thought that fight was real watching it. It's just in it because there's one bit where the guy's got a spade handle. People were less savvy then. Yeah, I know, but. To, to do it by a hardware store is hilarious. It really yeah. confused me that fight. I just kept watching the camera angles, thinking, "Why is there suddenly three cameras?" Yeah, yeah. how's that camera got it from there? Because I thought, "Hang on, what's going on?" And then I thought, well, is the, the whole, reverse, is the whole thing fictionalized?" We look at the end, and it's and the credits of the '83 and the '93 version. Yeah, and everyone's changed, apart from the sort of writer, director, producer, the main the main man. It's the same bloke. Though I think fair play to you, mate, because you you've used a good. 60% of your original yeah. documentary. Oh, yeah. The first half of it is, isn't it? Before he gets to the ad break. And then, but then he repeats things yeah. that he's already repeated from yeah, yeah. Oh, 83. Yeah. Drop them back in in case you've forgotten. But it's great. It's a great one. There are several there threads about it on different West Ham forums because it's such a funny document of, of the time. There's bound to be West Ham fans listening to this podcast. Get in touch with us and let us know if, if any of the knockers are still around, if they're going to see the games. Yeah. yeah. And if the bloke's still driving a cab, I'd love to jump in the back of his cab one day in London. But offering the best blowjob in life. What goes that to me? me? <laughs> if he's been married for thirty years plus, yeah. you can bite my fucking hand off now. <laughs> it's only what he's getting. What goes that to me? What goes that to me? Another so. lap of the park. <laughs> Right, it's time to say goodbye to the masses. And anyone who thinks I'm arseholic. Oh, yeah, there'll be a lot of you who think that Mike is arseholic. They'll be leaving. But before you go, does anyone fancy buying a duster? (laughs) (laughs) Can I have a look at it first? (laughs) No, 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 no. No. Have you got one you could get out of there? He for? says that it would be like um, uh, they they seal them in the factory. Like, yes. No, they, they don't. You like seal lie. them. It's very funny the way he says. Um, oh yeah, well I showed her one and it was all torn, so she, so she didn't want to buy buy one off me. Then he went, "What were you showing her? Showing them for? <laughs> showing them for? They're all torn. It's all lucky gear." I love it. <laughs> And do you know what I was reminded? I just got one more thing before we move on from it. That the Pringle look that we talked about last oh, yeah. week, a very London thing. Yeah. If you think about early Only Fools and Horses, which you mentioned earlier, Del Boy was always yes. the Pringle with a roll neck, that's and the true. chain over the top. He was proper East End, you know. Do you know what it reminded me as well? Del Boy was a casual. Watching them earn money when you're twenty or twenty-one and you've got no real responsibilities, when you earn money that you can spend on stuff like clothes or a football match, or a night out. It's such a brilliant feeling. Gosh. And they do really well. They make they make 50 or 60 quid each in a day, which was a yeah, lot well, of money in 83. So then, of course, you can go and buy a Lacoste polo shirt from Lovely. Stewart's in West London because you've sold a load of dusters and made 60 quid somehow. One little thing, when I watch stuff like this, and I watch a lot of the Sweeney, I watch a lot of stuff set around 70s and 80s London, right? 
when they talk about the, the housing slump, the one bloke can't get a job, can he? The fella who's, um, I'll figure out of order, to be honest. That, that one, he's walking on building sites up and down ladders yeah, trying to yeah, get a job. Yeah. The, the arse have dropped out of the housing market and they just weren't, you know, you couldn't sell a house in London. When they had that um, that big banner over the one part of London there, those warehouses, I was trying to work out where it was in relation to Canary, Canary Wharf. I thought, Christ, what's that worth now? Oh my which God, I dude. which I bet you couldn't. I bet you couldn't. You could have bought it for a song in 1983. Have you seen that footage of that video of Bob Hoskins? Bob Hoskins on the South Bank. Oh, it's incredible, and it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine it now. Oh, it was worth millions that. And I just remembered. I mentioned Del Boy. Yes. Who they all sound like is Mickey Pierce. <laughs> all right, Del Boy. Is there also that sort of high pitched East End, isn't it? Would you Would you like oh, to buy that? <laughs> It's very good. It's really, it genuinely is. It might not be the most sporty documentary you've ever yeah. chosen, but it's worth Watch watching. It. It's only an hour. Watch a bit of sport before and after. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, tail end it's, 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 We can't do yeah, all the lifting for you. It's, it's 50 minutes. Yeah, just, just Google tennis. Yeah. <laughs> Google tennis. What, click on the first one. <laughs> click on the first one. That's yeah, tennis. Bob's your go. Maybe click videos instead of all. Just Google sport chat after that. I could, couldn't it? We could just stick that up. Right. Um, if you are leaving us now, you need to know that there are some live tickets available still, but not a lot. If you go to distantpod.com/live, you can find the dates there. They're all in the episode description as well. So if you click on the link there, that'll take you directly to whichever gig it is you want to go to. Come and have a tear up. Come on, come on. We'll sell some chamois in the queue. <laughs> chamois? Is it, is it real leather? Of course it's oh, yeah. it's oh, real oh, leather. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course it is. Of course, yeah, course it's real leather. Oh, that accent is so good. Uh, yeah, just jump on there. You'll see which gigs... Uh, almost sold out which ones aren't just go on the website have a look at it all and if you want to come and see us live in the autumn jump on there oh quickly by that mate only on. because uh, I'm going to look at numbers so Birmingham yes don't be put off by the fact it's a weekday just you know oh get involved grow a pair of testicles or a pair of ovaries and come along yeah we'll have, we'll have fun and I think I think that was it wasn't it I think I think maybe Belfast people are put off by the fact we're having an all day but why again toughen up come on guys get involved yeah yeah, it's going to be a lot. The Belfast one, I'm massively looking for. I'm really looking forward to the Birmingham one because I'm going to have a day off work the next day. Well, I love Birmingham anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll be there in the day shopping in, in the um, what's the what's the the bull ring? Big, yeah, no, yeah. no, not the not the bull. Yeah, the bull ring's there, but well, the new bull ring. But what's the shopping centre near the Glee Club there, Al? Near Chinatown. The indoor sort of covered oh, market. there. the new one. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. There's like a yeah. covered market there. Yeah. Is it good? Oh, boss. Oh, there's two There's two retro clothes shops there that are amazing. Oh, so you're going to buy stagewear there for the night? I'll be. I'll have stagewear, mate. Okay, okay you got the... Okay. Casual wear. Post-show wear. Shower first, of course. <laughs> yeah, we know that's not true. The stick I've had about that. Good. Twats. <laughs> good. And then Kelly going, I told you don't shower enough. <laughs> I tell you what I did, which I profoundly regret... Is uh, because of what you said. Oh, no, you didn't Google I that, did. did you? I did Google oh, Horse Magma. I Silly. did Google Horse Magma, and I lasted about five seconds. I wasn't exaggerating, was I? You weren't exaggerating. I didn't think you were exaggerating, but I did think I'd have a stronger stomach for it. No, thank you. But I found it absolutely horrifying. Not a horse person, never owned a horse. Um, 
not a big old horse stick person. No. Never been no. a big fan of Smegma, but good no. grief. What a heady cocktail that was. <laughs> well, it was a literally a heady cocktail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Best blowjob in London. What I, what I want to know is if you were a horse in the wild, what happens to your Smegma if you haven't got a, 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 a nice young female if, vet if, to If you're a your horse pe- in the wild, are you asking the horse this? Here? Yeah, yeah, to, to, clean, to clean your penis for you. Well, if you're a horse, can you please get in touch with the podcast yeah. and let Alice know? But I mean, how she's doing it. It's clearly a big. It's clearly Mr. A big Ed job. can translate for us. So what hap- What happens? They're to probably horse- out shagging all the time. Whereas when you got a horse that's you know, can kept away from mares, it's I don't know what they're doing. They can't wank. Yeah. They got hooves. Wet dreams. Oh, imagine how harrowing that would be. Horse <laughs> <laughs> only wet dream. Sat down wanking yourself off with his fucking hooves. No, I think a horse wet dream would be worse. <laughs> Lying on its side. Yeah, yeah. Massive dick. <laughs> like I was younger, I, I experimented with them. Um, Horses. Getting a female vet to clean the smegma from your penis. <laughs> we should cut this. I'll tell you what I experimented with. Cut, cut for patrons. Cut now. Gone. Gone. Oh, oh, t- Okay, so book time to wrap things up. Uh, this week is you, Mike. Right, so someone mentioned this book to me uh, a few weeks ago. And I, t- I mentioned it on the pod. Um, uh, I thought I'd enjoy it, so I went on Amazon, because you know me, I'm a, a bibliophile of some understanding. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, or- I ordered the book the same day, and it's called The Death Row All-Stars, a story of baseball, corruption, and murder. Uh, by an author called I'm going to get this name wrong I apologise by Howard Kazanjian Howard if you're listening I might do apologise if that's wrong by Howard Kazanjian and Chris Enns it sounds like a bit far-fetched you, you, you listen to this and think oh, this, is, this is not a real thing then you read the book and realise that it is a real thing basically there was a team uh, after the first sorry just before the first world war so the turn of the last century uh, and it was a penitentiary baseball team made up of murderers and arsonists and unarmed robbers and various people that, you know, had found themselves for one reason or another on the wrong side of the law, put together a very decent baseball team that would play in those days when you played, you know, you jumped on the train and played local teams and it very, very sort of that feel of dreams era of baseball. And they did very well. But when you read the book, the, the governor ends up, gambling heavily on the games and, and the various people involved in the, in the legal system involved with it. And if you made a mistake, the way that the, that the governor would encourage players to play well and so he can get his money back and, and win his bets would say that if you were due to be executed and you played well, he would commute your sentence to a life sentence. So he would literally save your really? life, right? If you play, yeah. The flip side of that was, if, if it was in the balance, your sentence... And you made mistakes, you would be executed. Whoa! Which is which is it almost beggars belief. I'm going to read a little bit here. What what, what era is this? 1911. Wow. In Wyoming, when Wyoming, I'm not sure Wyoming was a state at the time, but it, it was certainly. So this this is a piece on on the book in the New York Post, which has got a great photograph. I'm re- this is by a book called. I'm going to read a a book writing about the book. So this is Larry Getlin in, in the New York Post. Okay. On a hot summer day in baseball-mad Rawlins, Wyoming in 1911, a tightly packed crowd watched pitcher Thomas Cameron rear back and hurl a fastball towards home plate. The ball went wild, clipping the opposing player on the left shoulder before bouncing into the stands, allowing him to take a first base. Cameron was dying on the mound in more ways than one. 
A convicted rapist, Cameron was pitching for the Wyoming State Penitentiary All-Stars, a team featuring the hardest of hardened criminals. Many in town, from local bar patrons to the team captain George Saber, himself a convicted murderer, to the prison warden himself, had substantial sums waged on the All-Stars to win. The stakes for the convicts the stakes for the convicts were higher than simply the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. Wins, they were told, meant time off on their sentences. Losses, however, came with consequences. And there's a quote there from the book then which says, individual errors that cost the team the win would result in death. Jesus Christ. So and this happened, and you think this, this can't be it. This, this couldn't have happened, but this did happen, right? This is, this is recorded fact. So I'm about a third of the way into the book at the moment. It's not that long, but, yeah. but I'm, as we as we all know, I'm a slow reader. So uh, <laughs> bloody hell, that's amazing. Well, just imagine the pressure. I mean, there's pressure anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's enough pressure in sport as it is. Uh, but Saban, who was the captain, is is probably one of the hardest taskmasters. This wasn't like this wasn't the sort of captain that you that you you want to play for because you respect him and you love him. This was the sort of captain who would be one of the people pushing for you to get executed if you made mistakes in the game. So wow. you drop a catch, or you yeah. or you foul a ball, or you or you you strike out, or you give up first base because you're pitching, you know, wildly. You end up on death row. The captain saved, and I, I'm just getting to it now. But the, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was killed. God, I thought the championship playoff final had jeopardy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, people get motivated by different things. Imagine how the other team feel. Imagine that was Imagine- the only way you could perform, though. Imagine the threat of imminent death was the only thing that made you score home runs. Yeah. The trembling, holding your bat, knees knocking as you... Oh, my God. Imagine being the batter, and Ellis is on the mound pitching. Yeah. And I hit a home run. He's dead. And then I read in the paper that because <laughs> I've hit a home run off you, you've been hanged. I mean, it's just... It's a strange book to read, right? It's fascinating. It does, it does sound like a film. It sounds like a Hollywood film. But yeah, so uh, the Death Row All Stars, a story of baseball corruption and murder. Uh, I yeah, am we're... buying that. Wow. Yeah, well, I'll just give it to you, mate. I'll be, I'll be finishing it in about three or four months. <laughs> <laughs> give it to me for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> if I finish, I will. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, if you want live show tickets, distantpod.com slash live. If you want any t shirts, hoodies, a uh, couple of the football still left as well. If you want a football, they're very nice, those ones are. Uh, distantpod.com slash shop is where you find those. Right, that's us for this week. We will Thanks be with everyone. you again very, very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Over the centuries, the world's greatest wordsmiths have crafted the most beautiful sentences ever written. Shakespeare. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Austin. There is no charm equal to tenderness of heart. And Jermaine Penham. I pulled two birds and I went home, which is nearly a proverb. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, we're Football Book Club Podcast, the only book club that's less Jane Austen, more Charlie Austen. And this week on the show, we're joined by social distance sports bars, Steph Guerrero, to read Craig Bellamy's 2013 book, Good Fella. I love everything about Craig Bellamy. I I (laughs) love the nastiness, the petulance. Um, (laughs) I I don't know if you've ever read a book where a scout from Pentwin Dynamos turns up in page 29 but it's 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 good it's 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 actually it's good i wouldn't yeah. go further than good actually it's good <laughs> okay, okay. and you can listen to the full episode by typing football book club wherever you get your podcasts